Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Afternoons with Stevie today was dominated, and rightly so, by the magnificent Black Ferns and their win in the Rugby World Cup, hosted here in New Zealand on the back of that incredible game of rugby that... England played a huge part as well. The first hour was accolades, comments, people that were there and what they enjoyed about the tournament. Loved your calls today. Straight after that, Sarah Hidney, the Black Ferns loose forward after that win on the weekend, how she's recovered and what it all means for the women's game. And she gave a really nice uh, sentence of thanks to all the people that have supported them. Joined by John Norman, TalkSport UK cricket commentator on England's very impressive win at the T20 World Cup final over Pakistan. They now hold the One Day and the T20 World Cup trophies. They're on fire. Uh, Fonzie, he's been on the show before. He's hosted the Warriors Life, this Warriors Life podcast, talking about the Rugby League World Cup semi-finals, the ones where we bowed out, and Samoa and England. Uh, Samoa getting over the top of them. Now Samoa will play Australia. Uh, really cool chat uh, with Maya Mariner. She's the founder of a movement called Lazy Sneakers and she will be the youngest ever speaker at the IWG World Conference of Women in Sport, which is in Auckland this week, but international speakers are plenty and she's one of them. Listen to her story fascinating. Uh, we talked some UFC with uh, Spencer Kite. He is a Feature writer for UFC.com on particularly the four Kiwi fighters in the UFC 281. Full show, massive show. We had the vault. Uh, we had a whole lot of stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for subscribing to the Afternoons with Steffi podcast. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Steffi on SENZ. Welcome into this Monday. Uh, Afternoons with Steffi in association with Gull. Gull.nz. Fueling your mission all year round. I didn't need any more fuel in the weekend. My heart was full. My eyes were full. My ears were full with what this wonderful Black Ferns team have done. Not just this tournament, but since falling completely off the rails at the Northern Hemisphere Tour. And then they managed to refocus, rebuild and rise up. You're broken down and tired of living life 
Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Good work, Captain K and Sammy H, putting that together. Just gave me goosebumps all over again. What a amazing moment. Um, not in sport, in life it was for me, and I know it was for a lot of New Zealanders. They have, they have paved the way, and not just in rugby, in presenting yourself, making yourself available, playing sport for the passion of the sport, not for a brand, not for sponsorship, but for their people. And boy, did we feel it, particularly over the last two weeks. And that word journey is bandied around a lot. But this was a journey, a 12-month journey, or 10 if you want to split hairs. Just tremendous. I do, phone lines are open, by the way, 0800 This is Midday Madness. Early on, I want to pay massive respect and homage to the English Roses. 60 minutes with 14, you didn't even really notice. Consummate professionals went to their script, went to the rolling mall and criticised that if you want. That was their game plan. It is legal and so, so effective. And we don't have that unbelievable final without England being the opponent. And they've been tremendous. Massive win streak. I thought their captain was brilliant post-match. So just pause and reflect on how much they contributed, not only to the tournament, but to that final. Without them, we don't have that don't have that atmosphere, don't have that grandstand game. And also to France as well with what they threw at us in the semi-final. And then the third and fourth place game, they were magnificent. Um, we have Sarah Hidney on after one o'clock. Right from now until then, I welcome your text messages of support. The double eight double three, the Tampa Bear Post text machine, double eight double three. Text messages of support, which I will relay, or questions, comments, anything you like. Uh, get them into us. Double eight double three, Sarah hitting just after the one o'clock news. Back home in Mount Monganui, and she'll have time to reflect on her drive back there this morning. Midday madness. We're not, we're not even going to play the music for Midday Madness. We'll just go straight to the lines because I felt like that song said everything. 0800 150 uh, We talked to Mikey. G'day, Mikey. Oh, I've got shivers after you guys playing that. That was, I did too. That was something else. Mm. Um, I've got a confession to make, but just before I get into that, just a couple of very, very quick things. Um, thanks to Fozzie for giving me heart palpitations yet again. <laughs> I won't live long if I keep saying games like that. Um, I thought the league is a great advertisement for more league internationally. Mm. Um, and it was good to see the new Poms rugby coach get one over the New Zealand A team. Anywho, <laughs> my confession, my confession. Um, I have followed this team through print and through um, highlights. Um, and after the, the, the Northern Tour, I thought, nah, they, they do not have a chance of winning this World Cup. Uh, Wayne Smith comes on board. Sounds like uh, the team is in a much happier space. Um, massive kudos to Wayne Smith on this, but really big kudos for the team to taking on his direction on board. Um, I think that's huge for them to do that. Um, I did not watch. A, I did not watch a game. I didn't even go to the Australia game that came to Christchurch, um, and I was way overseas for the semi-final. So we had a party in our bar, and we thought we'd just throw it on the screen play music and just carry on and we'll just kind of flicker eyeballs towards it. 
10 minutes into the game, I thought, oh, this is, this is looking quite tasty. So there's 12 of us in this um, converted bar that I've got at home. Uh, we put it on the TV, and that is... <laughs> I'm converted. Oh, my Lord. That is probably the greatest rugby final I have ever laid my eyes on. It was brilliant. And I could not get over how good the crowd was. What a different type of crowd, for, especially for New Zealand, with the singing, the dancing, the joy... And then you've got, uh, like, revelation for me was that Stacey, is it Stacey Flula? Stacey Flula, yeah. And she, she scores that try. Um, in the second half, she gets injured. She's limping off. She's smiling. I mean, so amazing to see professional rugby players having a good time. Um, it was, the uh, words kind of are failing me now because it, it is, as I say, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I'm, I'm a massive convert, and if they ever come to town here again, I am absolutely lining up to get that ticket. They're, they're a credit to our nation. They're a credit to us. They're a credit to sport. <sighs> awesome. Mm. Amazing, eh? Just just amazing. Uh, I, just, I 100% agree with everything you said, and I've long knocked New Zealand crowds for just all blacks, all blacks and defence and... They were fizzed from minute one, and I was just so proud of the team, but so proud of our crowd to be fully engaged and fully immersed. But what it showed us was that that team, that whole squad, coaches, players, management, the whole lot, they created an atmosphere and opened the door to the New Zealand public, and we walked in and embraced them. There were no closed doors, and that's what happens. They, um, I tell you what, when that Ruby Tui ever... Um um, finishes her career. I hope the broadcasters are lining up oh, to they give are. her a job. They are. Don't worry <laughs> about that. She is. She's incredible. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was, if they can make a movie about Beaver, then they have to make a movie about this. Because, yes. like you said at the start, what a journey in twelve months. Mm. Fantastic, Mikey. Thanks, bud. So pleased you enjoyed it. All right. Cheers. Cheers, mate. We'll go to Steve in Auckland. Good rugby man, Steve. Brother, like I say, words can't describe it. Um, been around this game a long time, Staffy. I'm probably similar vintage to you, maybe a little bit older. Doing you a bit of injustice there, brother. Um, but you know, 2011 when we won the World Cup here in Aotearoa, that was like a relief. When we won when we won it in London at Twickenham, that was like a reward for a team that was a great team. And we kind of weren't surprised that they won it, but this is like a redemption for this team. And to turn it around, and not even a year, when you consider what Wayne took over about six months ago, Steffi, something like that, mm. absolutely incredible. And um, I didn't get to the game on Saturday night, but my daughter and I sat on the couch watching it, and we were just so engaged. Boy, there were times I got up, it was like a... I was like a cat on a hot tin roof. And even at that last line out, I just said to my daughter, I said, we've got to throw somebody up. We've really got to contest that line out. And boy, as soon as we won it, we were off. We were hugging each other and jumping up and down like little children. It was, it was just crazy. But, you know, I think everybody, everything's been pretty much said about what unfolded on the weekend. And, it, given it's, and I'm still buzzing today. I haven't even seen the All Black game yet. At, at this stage, but I think moving forward, we've got to look at some tangible tournaments for this team. And, and Tony Kemp mentioned something on the radio this morning, which I thought was brilliant. A tri-series 
up in Europe next year between New Zealand, between New Zealand, France, and England, and basically play it in the same window. Mm. Play it in the autumn window or our spring window, for crying out loud. You know, when the weather's good. Don't play it in the middle of the year when it gets lost in the, in, in basically the all-black window, if you know what I mean. Mm. I, I just think that's a, a brilliant idea. But I think the other thing that we shouldn't forget, because it's basically taken a long time with Moana Pacifica to recognise the contribution of Pacific Island rugby in this country. You know what? Here's a perfect opportunity. We have a big Wahine Toa population of Samoan and Tongan rugby players and Fijian rugby players in this community. Don't forget about them as well, because if there was one thing, it would have been awesome to see a Tongan and Samoan team at that World Cup this year as well. And we should help to Totoko or Manaki that level of rugby as well. And that's something I'd like to see moving forward. But man, we are on to such a winner here. I hope I hope Mark Robinson is all over this and it was fantastic to hear former Black Fern Christina Sue actually throw the challenge out to him. Yes. Either that or find somebody that can champion this to make it happen move, moving forward. Steffi. 100% agree, Steve. Thanks so much, buddy. Great chatting. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Um, also heard on breakfast this morning, Stacey Fleuler, the first thing she said is, yes, we want to play England. Yes, we want to play France. But don't forget about the Pacific Island teams and the other developing ones. You just don't need the best playing the best playing the best all the time. One more call for, before a break. We go to Cliff in Dunedin. G'day, Cliff. Yeah, g'day, Staffy. Yeah, kudos to the girls. They, they really played well. Maybe they need... Uh, in, the, in the New Zealand Rugby Union, they need a, a women's division part of it that's run by like a, a general manager of New Zealand women's rugby, and that they get get their will have their own marketing sponsor them. Go out and get some of these companies that are run by women. I don't mean that you have to be woman look after woman, but if they're going to go ahead, they need to they need to be a corporate identity, and they can't just be dragged along behind the men. So they have to go out. But what I'm actually ringing about is Steve Alker. He's just won the Charles Schwab Challenge. He finished third. He could have finished tied for second. His last putt just sat on the edge. But it was amazing to watch. You know, everybody come out. You know, Padraig Heron had won the tournament with a record equally 27 under. And uh, our boy Alka finishes at 19. Just played so solidly this year. A guy has come from nowhere. They just keep talking about him. Where has this guy been? <laughs> and now he's getting, he's getting kudos from all these top players. Bernard Langer, everybody's there. He's getting hugs from everybody. I just can't say enough to the bloke. He's, 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 to, to go out there and play in this tournament, when Harrington has been bullying him a wee bit because he's so much longer, but he's, he's hung in there and he's played well again in the last part of it. He, he had to finish no worse than fifth to make sure he won this challenge and he finished third. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm proud of today. Our boy on the golf, as well as everyone else, he's played well. The, the ABs, the girls, you know, it's a shame the league boys didn't. But, yeah, Steve Elker, you know, he's got to be up there for the sportsman or the, well, sports person of the year.
Sure does. When it comes up. Sure does, mate. Gives us uh, gives us all hope that are in the second half of our lives, doesn't it, mate? Cliff, uh, <laughs> great, great call. Thanks for calling, mate. Yep, Steve Elka there on the Champions Series. He's had four wins and 17 top tens this year. An incredible, incredible season. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Zaid and your calls too. 0800 150 811. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Back to the calls we go, 0800 150 Talk to Zaid. Good day, Zaid. Uh, good afternoon. Um, just to admit, I feel a little bit good this, uh, this afternoon because my boy uh, Izzy went down yesterday for the first time, lost his belt since 2019. He was all over Alex Pereira, but then lost it in the last round. And that's just sport. You can be... Um, you can be all over a fire in UFC and then you can lose it in the last few minutes. It's sh- it shown before uh, Leon Edwards versus Carl Usman. Usman was all over Edwards, exact same thing. And then Edwards comes out of nowhere. But um, there's going to be a, probably a rematch. But um, Alex Pereira seems to have Israel Adesanya's number now. That's three wins to Pereira and none to Izzy. So he's got his number. But then there's, some, there's, some po- there's always positives over negatives, as we say. Um, Dan Hooker got back in the winning series in the um, winning column, but I don't know what the hell that dude was doing. Just trying to be <laughs> on his back, he didn't even want to fight. I don't even know why he wanted, why he even came out, mate. He was just not even. He didn't turn up. But the fight of the um, day for me from CKB was Carlos Blackjack Olberg absolutely knocked the dude out first round. That's two knockouts in a row in the first round, three fights in a row, so three wins in a row. So he's um, on onwards and upwards. Um, so I guess two wins, two losses, um, bit of bit of mixed results there. The Black Ferns, that's the Black Ferns. Wayne Smith, what a guy! They were down and buried last year. The girls were getting bullied. Um, New Zealand rugby for once has done the right thing. We'll go get Wayne Smith, and we've got a year for the World Cup, and they got him in. Grant Henry, well we know he knows how to win stuff, so we'll get him in the coaching staff. We'll bring Mike Cron in. And uh, just a great bunch of girls. They seem love their rugby. Um, the All Blacks need to learn a few things from them. Um, but yeah, um, right, right call by the ref. Red card, Portia Woodman. Um, maybe it changed the game for a final, but that doesn't matter because that was a horrible, um, horrible injury for Portia Woodman. But um, a player that impressed me in the final was Crystal Murray off the bench. Mm. She was really good. Um, Laishieta. Le- who came on for Woodman was good, but the whole team was good, you know, 34-31. And then you go and watch the All Blacks this morning, absolute disgusting. Anton Leonard-Brown, I'm sorry. Rico, uh, he looked disgusting. Nearly threw the game away. We only just beat Scotland, which is not good. But the player for me was Mark Talia on debut. Two tries. That's all I want to say. And have a good rest of your show, Staffy. Brilliant. Mark Talia. Thanks, Zaid. Yeah. Thank you, mate. Um, I'm probably like a few people. I didn't watch the Scotland game. Probably the first, the first All Black game I haven't watched either live or on repeat for years. But I was knackered after. I was emotionally knackered after the uh, Black Ferns World Cup win. I watched all the UFC yesterday. Um, I watched France, South Africa. I just didn't have it in me to get up and watch those two games earlier. So I'll watch replays tonight and uh, just get up to speed. But um, today for me, it's, it is all about the Black Ferns. They've won a World Cup. Got some good texts coming in. A reminder, we've got Sarah Hidney straight after the one o'clock news. 
the wonderful open side flanker. Gosh, Commonwealth Games gold, Olympic gold, and now World Cup winner. Um, what a leader of people she is. So really looking forward to talking to her. Had some really nice messages in on double eight double three that I will be reading to her. Some questions as well. So get those in on double eight double three for Sarah Hidney. She'll be on just after the one o'clock news. But now we've got the twelve thirty news. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Right, back to the phone calls, 0800-150-811. Let's bask in that glory from Saturday evening. Ed Tolliger Bay, you would have loved it. On behalf of your friend, Staffy, and your co-fahari, Captain K. Yeah. Staffy, is one of those girls from Nati Poro, Staffy? Stacey Flula, brother. You are kidding, that's the super girl, man. Did you see anyone? Someone threw them the ball and and she was fearless, man. Jumped up for it. She wasn't going to get it, but she got her head for it, man. Oh. oh, man, even though she dropped it, but man. We'll, we'll, we'll hang on to her. Yeah, we will hang on to her, mate. Definitely. Oh, and, 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 and when Fitzpatrick put that chip through, it was our girl again, came through, got on the back, slipped onto her back, got that pass away. And I think our winger was in mid when she caught that ball and she was diving for the try line, man. Woo! <laughs> oh, I can only imagine how you're jumping up and down. In fact, I think Renee Holmes is from East Coast as well. I might be wrong, but I think she's from East Coast as well, our fullback. Yes, yes, sir. I think the country was saying, uh, he, he said, no, nah, it's not true. It's, it's, well, she's really good too. See, that, that last game against France, well, but, you know, you were just about... You were going to say you were going to talk to Sarah Hurney? Well, that's the one I want to talk about, man. Talk to me. Um, yeah, because um, when that thing finished at that line-out, and I was watching the players, and you should have seen her reaction, man. <laughs> yes, and she's a for Yeah, that's the way. <laughs> and boy, is she a, man, she's a beast, bro. For her size, she can do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> she's unreal and she is a great person off the field I'm very fortunate to to have known her for quite a long time off the field and I couldn't think of anyone more deserving or as equally as deserving as Sarah for everything she's been through in the last two years off the field um, she's kicked goals on the field not literally but figuratively and I'm, I'm so stoked for her and her teammate it was, it was a wonderful night wasn't it Ed? Oh it was uh, to be honest, because uh, I had a hard day at May and um, no one woke me up. And I was getting this phone call and I was getting, who's this? And then, bro, get up. I said, what's the matter? The World Cup's on, man. I said, what time? It was half time. I said, what? We're leaving. Oh, man. Now <laughs> 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 I got the Awesome, Ed. Thanks for calling, buddy. Yep. I knew you would have loved it. Good chatting. Uh, we go now to uh, Joey. G'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Steph. Unbelievable. You know, you can just see the joy in Ed and what it just gives to uh, to us Kiwis and that, you know, um, fantastic, you know. And um, I'm like you, you, you take your hat off to England, you know, playing with uh, 14 men for the best part of 60 minutes. They did it hard and, um, and they were a, a big part of it. But um, the New Zealand girls are just fantastic, you know. 
unbelievable uh, staff. You know, you watch uh, the All Blacks and that, and you know what? I've watched World Cups. Us win World Cups. This is one of the most satisfying things I've I've seen in, in my lifetime. You know, um, those girls and what Wayne Smith has done, and Ted, um, Ted Henry, and Mike Cron, and all that, all the all the, the coaching staff. But what Wayne Smith has done with this team, got them the, the belief and and how to, you know. If you could get him back in the All Blacks again, somewhere, somewhere there would be amazing. But obviously, he wants, he's going to retire. Um, he's just been amazing, and they brought into it, um, and New Zealand brought into it, absolutely fantastic. You know, Bassie just um, as a Kiwi, uh, as a New Zealander, <coughs> we're just so humble. And, and, and even in the aftermatch, you know, the, the captain, you know, when she took that tap, and, and then um, we lost, we got, they got a penalty against us. And I went. Oh no, here we go! And then we stole the line out, and the, just can't script it. But um, and just on a, a, a on a on a bit of a sour note, uh, staff, nothing to do with the rugby and that. And, and and like Ryan Fox did really well today, and so did um, Steve Elker and that. But you know, a very poor effort by um, the Canterbury Jockey Club. You know, that was just terrible on Sunday. Over, I don't know what's happening. You know, probably more about. I've been a, you know. Um, um, guy for many, many years. And um, to, if they've watered the track and had that problem, uh, someone should be accountable. You know, I've had I, a mate of mine ring up and they paid $120 to go to get in there. Um, it was $40 ahead, but in some places $120. And they saw three races and then they didn't know what was going on. Just poor. This never happened 10, 15 years ago, Stan. You know, that's my sad sad thing with the, uh, what's happened. And then they put it on today where no one can, you know, hardly anyone will probably be there because everyone's back at work. Mm. The, so what the... do you think about that? You know, can... I yeah. was I was outraged uh, mainly for the connections of the horses, the crowd, the paying public, and Christchurch in general, and it's unforgivable because if. I think it was uh, Trentham. Or, uh, there was a meeting not long ago abandoned because there was so much rain. Now, I'm okay with that because you can't control that. When you've had a dry week and you elect to irrigate on grass that's so long that it trapped the moisture underneath, I, and the jockeys and everyone was trying to find a way to race, but they just couldn't, and they've watered it, and then it rained, and then all of the water got trapped under the long grass and couldn't evaporate, and then they're just taking huge chunks out of it, and the horses were slipping. I mean, I don't blame them for, I don't blame them for abandoning the race for safety. Absolutely, they should, but it shouldn't have been there. And now, and I know the breakfast show's got the head of New Zealand Racing on, uh, Bruce Sherrick, tomorrow morning, and uh, he will front up. And remember, Awapuni was cancelled on Friday. I think it was Friday as well. Same reason. It's. It's unforgivable, and it's a group one day. It's Christchurch. It's Rickerton's biggest race day of the year. That will be costing a gazillion dollars. Yeah, well, exactly, Steph. You know, I mean, what happens if, I, if we're, I'm from Auckland? If I went down there for the whole for the whole week, and and, and I had this this abortion, mm. you know, But the problem is, Steph, with it with New Zealand racing at the moment, no one's accountable. You know, the, the track staff. If you know, I, I know there's times where it costs a lot of money and and that. But as I say, 15 years ago, this wouldn't happen. Mm. It would have never have happened. They wouldn't water. I mean, you did right. It happened at Awapuni on Friday. You know, I mean, you've got to have rocks in the head if they're starting to water the track to try to make the track when they don't have to. And fair enough, the jockeys and that, it's, it's all about looking after the jockeys and the horses, without a doubt. I, I don't have a problem with that. 
but no one fronts up. I mean, I haven't heard anything as far as I know from from the Canterbury Jockey Club to say, look, I'm sorry. The CEO come out and say, we're very, very sorry. You know, this shouldn't have happened. Blah blah blah. It's just, it's just poor. It's, it's poor actually. Yeah, it, it really yeah, is. Apart from that, apart from that stuff, fantastic um, week of sport, weekend of sport with the rugby, rugby and everything. Absolutely brilliant. And those girls, they deserve all the kudos they get, mate. Unbelievable. With you. Completely with you, buddy. Thanks for calling in. Good to hear from you. Let's go to Hamilton talk to Simon. G'day, Simon. G'day, Steph. Uh, um, obviously a long time to recover after a sort of weekend like that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Massive weekend. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you've got Sarah coming on. She's uh, obviously a very proud Kiwi and she's done very, very well. But I had real... Um, well, I knew she had a chance to cement something that no one else has probably ever done. And I don't know if you realise, but she was going for a set of medals on the weekend and she obviously had a bronze at the Commonwealth and a silver medal in the World Cup and now she got the bronze as well. So pretty impressive, eh? She's phenomenal. And how she and I want to ask her about the transition from um, sevens to fifteens. And I remember after the first couple of warm up games, I was talking to her husband and I said, How's she how's she coping with it? And he said, Oh, it's it's just the the wear and tear on the body with the number of contacts and and the length yeah. of contacts and the fact that she's gone and transitioned herself from one of the best sevens players in the game to one of the best fifteen players in the game and played eighty minutes in that final and a high attrition thing I just yeah. it, it was phenomenal yeah no nah, nah, it was awesome by the whole whole team but special one that one mm, really special Simon thanks bud yes. good on you Simon out of Hamilton Dave from Palmy g'day Dave g'day Steffi hats off to those girls that was absolutely amazing I admit I wasn't engaged when it first started but uh, got on board and they were amazing but it's got to be a movie has to be a movie, you know. It's it's got all the ingredients. Um, I think we should uh, try and teach them to play cricket and uh, rugby league. That'd be helpful for us. <laughs> I'm sure they'd. Uh, get, I'm sure they'd get it. And um, yeah, Wayne Smith. I keep saying we're not going to win the World Cup without him. I did watch that game last night, and we are in trouble. I don't know. Don't know what it is. And uh, yeah, on backing up that last guy or the guy before about the races, it's just terrible. It was Hastings that had all the rain and couldn't do anything right. um, a month ago on the second day, um, which was, you know, explicable. But there's, I think there's been about six or seven meetings cancelled because of, you know, just inadequate watering. And they um, spoke to an Aussie jockey, one of the Aussie jockeys, and he, he said, you're doing it all wrong. You know, it's, it's you know, bad, bad end to a great cup week, you know, you know, it could, if it wasn't for the girls, it would have been terrible. You know, they were unreal. And I did watch the cricket last night, and that was what a game. T20. Another thing I wasn't really engaged with, but geez, one ball can change the whole match or one hit. It was uh, phenomenal. So England did win something over the weekend, I suppose. Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> they, they did well. Yeah, I'd rather the one we won, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, Dubai. Yeah, just stacked against them, you know, like all the odds against them, England and France, professional teams, England England rugby, you know, those girls. I watched them when I was over there, like Emily uh, Scarrett. She's been playing for years, and they're just, 
You know, they've got English rugby unions, the richest in the world. They throw tons and tons of money at it. You know, they'll, this will be a big failure for them. Um, you know, you have to play someone, but those girls were just unreal. And that line-out feel in the death, jeez, that's, that's, that's what will make the movie a bit like the kick. <laughs> well, be called the steel. the steel. The steel. Yeah. Good man, Dave. Good yeah. chatting, bud. Drive safe, mate. Give Dave from Palm and all the other truckers lots of room when you pass them. Don't go too close to the front. Don't go too close behind. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Craig after that break. Welcome back in, folks. Coming up to one o'clock, and of course we have Sarah Hidney straight after the news at one. We go to Craig in Tauranga. Uh, good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon. How are you, Steph? All right. Good, thank you. Not quite in Tauranga anymore, I don't think. I'm just coming down the Waikato side of the Kaimai. So beautiful. Waikato now, maybe. <laughs> yeah, on, on the way to Auckland, actually. Um, just I'm looking forward to the the um, chat with Sarah coming up after the news. So I'll certainly be listening into that. Um, just quick quick question. I haven't watched All Blacks, but a couple of quick questions. Um, and I'm really pleased for for Mark Talia that he that he got a run, but. I guess my first question is, what problem are we trying to solve? Like, what by bringing him in, we've got sort of um, uh, Will Jordan obviously played a lot on the wing, and and uh, and Caleb Clark. We've got Rico that can play wing. We've got Lester that had one go and hasn't had another chance. We've got Sevu Reese. So I guess my question is, what what problem are we trying to solve by bringing Mark Talier in? It's just that rest thing. And um, I spoke to an Australian radio station this morning. And I've been banging on about this for ages that that four-year World Cup cycle is diluting the importance of non-World Cup Test matches. And the comments coming out of the All Blacks camp after that match was, "Yeah, these the world's caught up. Um, there's things to work on. I mean, there's two games to go in the season. Top team, top team, win, win with authority. Then yeah. have a rest." I totally agree. You know, and uh, I did hear someone change. Uh, if you're going to rest him, rest him. But if he was playing, he should have been playing 12 if that's what we see moving forward because the more game time at 12 for him, the better. Um, you know, I mean, most of us see that. Maybe Foster doesn't see him as a 12, I don't know. Um, I guess my other question, actually, which I don't know whether you want to comment on, but does it matter how we win or just whether we win? I mean, history would suggest that a win in the books is a win in the books and the, and the actual way we win doesn't really matter. Or are you on board with that or, or the way we win is important? Uh, oh, not as important, definitely. The tick in the win column is the most important thing and if you have to grind it out with a boring performance and particularly against England, if we have to muscle up and play a boring brand of rugby but get the win, I'm all for that. But the fact that Scotland have got so close to us who just lose to every other team for fun, they, they, they were right in, in with a huge chance in this and they had a, a try disallowed for a small, a little toe on the line which would have moved them probably 10 points in front um, yeah the, the style is secondary, the win is the win which is the most important thing but it's it's our style that is bringing these games so close and it's not the world catching up, I think Ireland and France have improved over the last two years, the others haven't, we've regressed yeah, I think you're probably right. And and the All Blacks, by not winning by enough, uh, and Israel Adesanya losing, um, cost me a couple of multis. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. good. Okay, Craig. Drive safe, mate. Craig. Have a good afternoon. Steve. Cheers, buddy. Uh, Kaimai. So I drive that a lot. A lot. Um, 
Last chance to get your texts in for Sarah. I've got probably 15 or 20 um, text, comments, questions for Black Ferns, open side flanker, been tremendous this tournament, our, our captain of the women's sevens team and absolutely one of the leaders on the park. If you've got any comments or any questions for Sarah Hirini, double eight double three. Get them in now on the Temper Bed Post text machine. Double eight double three. Should we hear after the news? We'll take a quick break and uh, we'll build to that news in that chat. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Some other text messages that are coming. Actually, I would say I've probably had seven or eight commenting on the commentary of Ricky Swinnell. Now, a commentator can add to an occasion and it can detract from an occasion sometimes. Ricky Swinnell added to it in bucket fools. Um, and I think it, it helped. She had history with this team. Um, she's an incredibly knowledgeable rugby person and absolutely the right appointment, absolutely the right platform. She did a wonderful job. I've sent her a text message to for everyone that's texting um, saying that she just added to it, and I 100% agree with you. Wonderful, wonderful sports journalist and now a commentator. Um Kane said, hey, Steph, no need to talk about show me the money today if you don't want. Cheers, Kane. I think Kane was our, our listener. That was part. We will. We'll front up. We'll front up. You're in Afternoons with Staffy. Gull.nz is here for the journey every single day, 12 till 4. We really appreciate them. Gull.nz to find your location. Sarah Hirini, after the news. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Well, they say you take your own responsibility to bring yourself some joy in your life, but uh, boy, did uh, I was going to say 15, but what is it, 23? But it's a squad of 32 and all of the management. They brought me so much joy in the weekend, and they've been doing it for a long, long time. And I'm just so delighted that the rest of the country have been moved as well. And um, I've asked for the text messages, for the questions and the comments to Seta Hidani. A very big part of this Black Fern movement. Been in the sevens, as I said before, for a long, long time. Transitioned to fifteens, and oh, it's a great pleasure to. Well, I'm going to have to struggle here not to get too emotional because this is just. I know how much this means to the team. I know how much this means to the nation. I want to do it justice. But Sarah Hidden, he joins us back at home now, taking a few deep breaths. Sarah, congratulations. Welcome in. Ah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's um, yeah, it's been pretty incredible the last few days, to be honest. All a blur. It is. It kind of still feels a bit surreal that um, yeah, a couple of days ago we 
we're at a sold out Eden Park Stadium winning a World Cup. Um, I'm actually just heading, driving back in the truck from the airport now. So, yeah. Um, listen, uh, this is a listener-driven program. Like your husband will attest to that. He listens every day. I know. G'day, Connor. You're probably driving. Um, we, I've asked for questions and comments, so just sit back and let, I'm going to do the comments first, and then I'll come at you with the questions. So some of them have got names to them, some of them haven't. If they haven't, they're usually first-time texters, which is great. Well done, Black Ferns. You've inspired a nation. Fantastic Black Ferns win. They had more than one game plan, which in the end was a winner. Um, it's the proper job, done well, uh, and I love your approach into the final, you're all mega humble. Hey, Staffy, I just want to say to the girls how proud the country is of them. They are the epitome of everything that is good about rugby and people in the country. There's no managed responses. Win or lose, they play, look and act like they love it. I hope Silver Lake and New Zealand Rugby are looking at this and throw much more cash the women's way. Uh, one from Scott says, Sarah Hirani was an absolute beast at ruck time with the ball skills and step of a centre. She was world class and Stacey Fleurler was clutch all game. Huge D and incredible offence. A message for Sarah Hirani. Thanks for converting me and all my mates to wonderful and an exciting brand of rugby that you and your team of heroes have shown. We are all new fans for life. From Mikey G, a regular one. Now I've got some good ones too. After the first game against Wales, my wife texted me while I was on holiday in Aussie asking if we should go to the final. I said, yeah, just book the tickets. And she said, what if we aren't in the final? And I said, who cares? Just book the tickets. So we followed all the games and we made it to the final. So off we went with the kids to Eden Park for the first time. We were seated right in front of the game where the game ended and the crowd just went crazy. It goes down as the best sporting event I have ever been to. And I've been to all around the world watching sport and it's brought back the love of rugby for my wife and kids. Um, Grant from I'm going to keep reading them. Grant from Christchurch. There wasn't a dry eye in our lounge after that game. I haven't had that feeling for a long time. Thank you so much from Grant in Christchurch. Uh, one from Andrew, my wife, and myself from Amaru watched the semi. As soon as the Black Ferns won, we booked flights, tickets, and accommodation. Cost us two and a half grand, worth every cent. Um, just absolutely love the game. And the last one I'll read to you is from Dino, a regular listener caller. Hi, staff. My 11-year-old daughter is a Hurricanes and Wellington supporter from the Naki. I'm so proud to now hear my daughter say I'm going to be a Blackfern dad when I'm older. Best year ever for her. That's a sample, Sarah Hirani. That's New Zealand talking to you. Sure, it's getting me a bit emotional listening to all those comments. Um, man, it's, I think that's been... The, one of the best things about the World Cup playing at home in Aotearoa is being able to um, just showcase what we're all about. Um, obviously, you've been a massive supporter of ours for a very long time, Staffy, and have seen it, but for the rest of New Zealand to, to feel it um, and to get, I suppose, a glimpse into what our team's about has been, been really special. And even before the final, we kept saying as a group, like, we've won already, we've, um, we've stolen hearts of Aotearoa, and that was probably other than winning the first final was the number one thing that we wanted to do out of the World Cup. I think that's why you succeeded in winning the World Cup because in a funny sort of way, while you'd like to win it, your goal was, and it's always been your goal in the 7s and now in the 15s, to inspire the youth of New Zealand. And your highlights in rugby is looking in the stands and seeing kids, right? Definitely. Like the atmosphere that we've had at games has been um, 
some of the things that I'll remember for the rest of my life because of the the kids hanging across the fence. The you can see the families who have parked up um, up in in Whangarei for the whole games. Then you just see like all families, all walks of life at Eden Park, and everyone's just in such a good um, like they're they're enjoying it. They're having a good time. They're enjoying the rugby. They're enjoying the festivities that sport brings. And yeah, it's been. Um, like even after the final whistle, just seeing the whole 42,000 people stay to watch us receive our uh, the trophy was, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's hard to put into words. Um, we've had a lot of people asking about, I have to paraphrase because we have so many messages, support and so many questions. Um, so I just sort of want to go chronologically. Obviously a, a glittered and successful sevens career. You've played a few games of 15s for the Cyclones, a few games of... Um, 15s for Super Rugby Opiki, but then the the full-on commitment to 15s, uh, the World Cup, how hard was that transition? It was pretty challenging actually, but I think more so having to try and get back up after um, a couple of losses in sevens wasn't very easy and we only spent two nights at home and then went straight into a World Cup campaign and um, so that was quite hard. I had to learn a whole new game plan, but I love actually really enjoyed the challenge of um, having to earn, earn my earn my spot every week, um, having to make sure I knew my, my stuff before we were headed off to training. And um, yeah, there was a few few times I wasn't sleeping too much because I was trying to make sure that I knew everything. But yeah, obviously paid off, and I was just really grateful I got to have a fair bit of game time. You sure did, and. Um, I watched you pretty closely playing and I felt like you were getting better every chunk of 80 minutes that you played and it culminated in a wonderful final. Did you go into the World Cup final thinking or knowing I've got to go for 80? It was, uh, obviously the French game was the first time that I'd played 80 minutes with the yellow card and things like that that had happened in other games and um, geez, I was cramping up a storm um, so I thought Man, I really need to try and do something to make sure I don't cramp up in the final and I did but um, yeah it was just, just to be able to like last the game to be able to get the full um, full full 80 minutes experience has been it's been amazing and it probably makes me appreciate all the players that play high level super rugby week in week out it's bloody tough on the body and you're constantly up and then you're having to get down and um, yeah, it's a bit of a roller coaster to be honest. Um, I took some notes from some callers. We took talk back um, today, and as you know, we have an open line, but it was all black ferns as it was last week as well. Ed from Tolaga Bay said he doesn't know why, but he was watching you at the last moment of the game that line out, and he said you went ballistic. Can you even <laughs> remember that moment? It's so funny you say that. I got sent in the video and I look like a six-year-old getting something for Christmas that I've always wanted. Uh, honestly, I've re-watched it because it was so hilarious. I don't even know what had, well, know what had taken over me. But, yeah, if you if you see the video, mate, it's, it's bloody good. <laughs> Some other mentions. Uh, Joey said... Um, yeah, bearing in mind these list, these callers are all massive sports nuts. That's why they listen to the show. Uh, Joey said the most satisfying thing I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. 
And Dave from Palmy said he wasn't engaged with women's rugby at the start of the tor- tournament. Now he's a life member. Um, it's you're changing things and I said to you last week uh, I just messaged you and I and I think I said something like win or lose uh, you've already won this mm. this moment and I feel really lucky to have lived through this moment we'll look back on this moment I feel in 10 and 20 years time and say remember that day yeah the, uh, this World Cup is going to be something that gets talked about for a very long time um because of the way that people's mindsets have changed, we've been able to showcase the most exciting rugby um, that I think probably the country hasn't seen for a very long time and it's sparked energy that we've needed um, and I think, yeah, it's going to be the start of a very, very special journey for women's rugby in Aotearoa. Some more questions that are coming. Uh, how did you keep your cool with all of the pressure and stress during that final? Oh, I think it probably like I had. I don't want to sound selfish, but I had nothing to had nothing to lose. I went into the World Cup knowing that I was just was there to enjoy myself and try and play as best of rugby that I could for the team. And so by the time we got to the final, it was actually it was probably the least nervous I'd been in the whole World Cup because I didn't have to worry about doing the haka in front of everyone. Um, I knew knew my game plan, and we I knew we'd already won. We I knew we'd changed. Um, changed Aotearoa for the better and so like I, I actually got to really enjoy the experience and um, yeah and just be able to I suppose be free which was a bloody nice feeling. I've, I've spoken to a number of people that were at the ground and they've been to the ground countless times um, but you've never experienced the atmosphere, you've never experienced crowd like that and being in the middle of the field with all four stands full, generating energy and you're the fulcrum, you're the landing point of that energy, uh, did it take your breath away? Yeah, like even now I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, I can I can feel the energy that I felt on Saturday night, the um, that yeah, the atmosphere would be the most electric thing that I've ever experienced. To be able to know that people were turning up and like just the chart, the Black Ferns chant that was going on, the defense chant that was going on, <laughs> everyone on the edge of their seats. And I, I actually remember looking up um, when they got their second line out, and I don't know the 79th minute or whatever of the game. And everyone, I could, I seen everyone stand up on the edge of their seats, and I'm like. Wow, that is that's that's pretty special. And then obviously, um, my great Hurricanes polar teammate plucked the ball out of I don't know where um, to win us the game. So, yeah. tactically, we weren't challenging their line out, and they were scoring these tries. Uh, Amy Cocaine got three, I think, didn't she? Um, was mm. there a change and said we got a challenge? We got to we got to do something here. Yeah, like to be honest, we probably played some average rugby um, in that final, and we're a bit disappointed with, with certain things but yeah that obviously they'd got them all the first time didn't score from it they I think I gave away the penalty or something like that um, so they got the second try at it and we just said man if, if we let them all they're going to score and then that, that's us done and Joey as she casually is just said I'll just go up for it and we were like okay <laughs> so she did my uh Crystal Murray lifts her, then catches the rebound that Joe's tapped the ball back, and then yeah, the rest is history. Oh, just I, I remember that <laughs> moment. The person I was watching with, um, I, I I'm going to say I couldn't watch, but I did. 
because I just thought it's England's ball, the five metres out, bugger. I, I'd almost written it off, but Joe didn't. Yeah, no. Nah. I think that was the, the best thing about our whole squad, like 32 men squatters. There was constant belief that like, we, we could win the World Cup, and there was a lot of confidence from our coaching staff that um, like the whole time they were just like pumping it into us that believe it because it's going to happen you're going to make this happen everything that we've practiced for will turn out the way it's supposed to be and yeah when you've got that getting like drilled to you every day of the week and you you see signs of it um yeah it's pretty hard not to be confident to just execute a role not wanting to take away from what's just happened because I do want to live in this moment but going forward I know you'll have a break but there's an amazing opportunity here and I've seen opportunities missed in the past and I'm going to point to the All Whites making World Cups and not cashing in on the popularity of it this is a no-brainer isn't it and and you haven't had time to even think about it or research it but we've already had calls for a a three-test series, England come here, or Black Ferns go there, or a quadrangular with the four semi-finalists up in the Northern Hemisphere, find a window, the people will come. I've talked to an English journalist this morning, and he said the place in England is gagging for more women's sport, their football, their cricket, and now the rugby. Now's the time, Sierra Hirani. Now's the time. That's it. It's... It's here. We're making it happen on our part. Um, and, yeah, the more that people get involved in it, we just need to keep keep pushing it, keep rising it. I think um, you see the English um, women's football team is selling out 90,000-seat stadiums, and um, I know that the Black Ferns can do that. Um, and, yeah, just need to make it happen. Um, final question, and it's a, a nice, light, easy one. Someone's texted and, and said the Rugby World Cup's over, diet's out the window, what's your big feed going to be today? <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a really nice wonton noodle soup. It was probably my first meal since before the game on Saturday, so, um, but yeah, a little cheeky feed of Maccas doesn't go astray either, though. No, there you go. There you go. A little drive-through, <laughs> sneaky one. Hey, Sarah Hirani, um, I've been so proud of everything that you've done and achieved and the way you've worked and set goals and achieved goals. Missed goals, been disappointed and bounced back from those as well. I couldn't be more delighted for this wonderful group that you've you've shared with us over these last few weeks. And I'll give the last word to you, uh, a message out to the people there that you, you've totally encapsulated. Oh, just thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We've absolutely loved representing Aotearoa on the biggest stage possible. Um, and I'm just absolutely stoked that we could keep Nancy um, here in Aotearoa for, for another few years. And I hope we've represented um, everyone across the nation because we've absolutely enjoyed uh, wearing the black jersey in, in Aotearoa. And long may the, the journey of women's rugby continue. Awesome. Gossi, um, enjoy your time reconnecting with uh, Connor and Booker. I'm sure they've missed you a lot. Um, and enjoy the beach. And um, thank you so much for joining us so quickly after a, a wonderful, wonderful tournament. Uh, I really appreciate you. Awesome, mate. Thank you so much for having us on. Cheers. Sarah Hidani, their wonderful um, black fern. And there's just another example of... Um, Leading us into their world so soon after a Rugby World Cup final. We're not even 48 hours 
through and um, in they come. What is it, 36 hours? Uh, Stacey Flula was on with the breakfast show this morning. If you want to go back and have a listen to that, but um, Sarah Hidney, I just find her so inspiring, so level headed, but so appreciative. And um, I think a lot of codes and sports and sports people probably were sitting back watching what's been going on over the last couple of weeks and hopefully they can take a page out of their book on how to <clears throat> engage us as New Zealanders because when they do, look what happens. Look at the support that rallied, the atmosphere that was achieved and the desire for more. People will come back. We'll take a break and we'll be back after that. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in. Wonderful to hear from Sarah Hidney. A well-earned break. I think they get uh, six weeks off now. And uh, they will turn to the sevens uh, group. I think they've got a tournament coming up in the not-too-distant future. So uh, I was going to say no rest, but they do get a rest, boy, if they deserved it. Uh, Captain Kay. In the in the hot box, uh, you were at the game, Captain K. You made some videos. You were buzzing. Fan perspective. Talk to me. I was quite lucky, staff, where I was sitting. So I was up in the upper western stand, and most of the action actually happened right in front of me. It was like the last line out. It was directly in front of me, and I was down on my knees looking through the bars, watching this line out, just analysing. Because I was the same as you, to be fair. I just, I turned and looked to Dad and I just gave him the eyes sort of thinking, because cheapers, they could have rolled us a rolling wall from the 22 and got another try. So five metres out and it was just, it was amazing. There were so many moments that I took little mental notes of that I know I'm not going to forget, like Ruby Tui singing Tutera Mai Na Iwi after the game. Like, what the heck, man? You would never see that anywhere else in the world. And you wouldn't see New Zealanders respond to that normally. No, no. and that was it. Everyone got around. Like, when everyone went, oh, we're like, just chills. And her face. Everyone did it. it. And she piped up a little bit, started going even more. Another one, um, real sad moment, Stacey Flula went down with her ankle injury. Broken ankle. Broken ankle. And there was just the moment when she got up and started walking, Everyone was on their feet applauding her. Like those, those are the moments that make it. Like for me, like we've heard people say this is New Zealand's greatest sporting moment. For me, being there at the ground, in the atmosphere, like it just adds that extra level for me of why this will be hands down one of the greatest all-time New Zealand sporting moments. How long did you stay after the match? After the final, whistle? two hours. How many people stayed for that two hours? I'd probably say ten thousand. 5,000 to 10,000. There was still, like, so I don't know what standard it is. I can't do northeast, southwest. So I was facing the west where they did the presentation towards. Yes. That stand never emptied. Wow. So people started leaking around, but that everyone started going to that stand. Because, like, I said in the this video that I put up on Afternoons with Staffy, Kendra Coxedge, it was her last game. She was down there kissing babies, <laughs> playing papers as rocks for her socks. You know, and it was just they, they all stayed around. They all soaked it all up. And then I got uh, I went around the back as I was leaving, saw Ruahe and Wayne Smith on the back of the golf cart taking off with the World Cup trophy. I was just like, wow, that just cements it as 
just like the iconic moment for me in sports. Hands down the best thing I've ever watched. Did you make friends with everyone that was sitting around we, you? We had two English next to us. Oh, So it was me and my family, my little crew that we had next to us. And so next to us were two English. And they, they were fantastic as well. Straight after the game, they were saying... Oh, we we just I went up and shook their hand and I said, Oh, like great game, like this you'll remember this forever and then they just went, Oh, imagine if we had fourteen. I said, Imagine if we had Porsche Woodman, mate. You know, <laughs> it goes both ways. But everyone in the crowd was united and especially like I said, everyone singing Two Tsuro My Naiwi. I swear, like I've I didn't know that many people knew Two Tsuro My Naiwi. Everyone sang it. I had I had just I, an American Casey Berrier. Remember our American Champions League player? She was singing it. She was sat next to us as well. So oh, brilliant for for everyone there. And, and I know Casey's a great example. She doesn't watch rugby, and the whole time she was on the edge of her seat, you know, getting up and asking me, "What does that mean? What does that mean?" You know, <laughs> everyone got behind her. It was just yeah, patriotic. You know, cried as well. Staff, I did good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I leaked a little bit to full time just watching the reaction and the response. It was just. Amazing. Uh, quick text before the news. Um, kia ora, uh, Sarah Hirinini. She is fantastic. In a time in New Zealand when our biggest growth industry is a uh, young brown woman being caught up in our correction service, the Black Ferns are a group of women that are not just inspirational in sport but for our country. It made me so proud of who we are. It's from Peter. Thanks, Peter. Incredibly inspirational. And I don't want this feeling to stop. And I need to have that feeling again. And so bring them here. We go there. Put the heat on. Someone needs to put the heat on. But maybe there is an appetite. Mark Robinson's joining the Blackfern Show tonight, I believe. So um, hopefully um, whoever's running that, it's probably cursed. She'll put it to him. She'll put it to him and ask for... One thing to say in appetite, but let's hear the plan. We'll take a break, new sport and weather. After the break, uh, we'll catch up with Paul Moati, and we'll also have a chat to John Norman on the back of the T20 World Cup win for England. TRB.co.nz, that is where the odds to live interactive stuff, and that's where you get paid if you make some correct picks. I don't want to dwell on how much money you lost the boys get paid or how much money you made from Israel Adesanya losing. I want to know where we can make some cash this week, Paul Moati. Um, well, you can look no further than Rickerton today because the races that didn't uh, take uh, part on Saturday, um, uh, we've got them running today, and that includes the uh, Group 1 uh, New Zealand 1,000 guineas where we have a very hot favourite, uh, Legato, uh, now a dollar forty, and we've had a couple of uh, larger bets on Legato, an eight thousand dollar bet and a three thousand dollar bet at a dollar forty. So plenty of support for Legato there. There's also a wee bit of NFL going on at the moment. Staff looks like we we could be heading to another round of overtime with the Packers and the Cowboys all tied up at 28 apiece with uh, nine seconds left on the clock in regulation. Uh, You can bet live on that game. And we've got a bonus back promotion on the uh, late game today, which is the San Francisco 49ers taking on the LA Chargers. Um, So check out all the T's and C's for the bonus back promotion on that game. And the boys have got a whole host of uh, power plays on that game. And I can tell you, one of the most popular power plays on that 49ers-Chargers game is Austin Akila 
Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel all to combine for five or more touchdowns. That's paying $9. Punters thinking we're going to see quite a few touchdowns today. So Akela, McCaffrey and Samuel to combine for five or more touchdowns in that late NFL game today. $9 currently in the power plays. Good stuff, mate. We'll talk to you later in the week. I'm sorry you have to shoot off, but we've got a very important appointment with John Norman from the UK. So I thank you for your time today, though, buddy. Very good, Steph. We'll, we'll talk again. Yes, we will. Paul Moati from the tab.co.nz. Download the app. They're the champions there that make sport so much more fun. Right, quick break. Heading across to the UK, John Norman, Talk Sport UK cricket commentator. Well, they are the current one-day international World Cup holders, and they are now the T20 World Cup holders. And, of course, I'm talking about the Ben Stokes-led England. So we go to England, talk to our friend John Norman. John, um, white ball cricket's all good in your part of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say the worrying thing for other teams is, you know, England can actually get better. Um, If you factor in that Jofra Archer is expected to make his return to white ball cricket in January. Johnny Bairstow, so England's most consistent, arguably, outside of Josh Butler, best batsman over the last 12 to 18 months, um, is going to be back for the English summer. Uh, Mark Wood, of course, missed uh, the last two matches, the semi-final and final. Um, and Reese Topley, tall left armour, um, he was an almost certain starter um, before he rolled his ankle stepping on uh, one of those uh, bouncing sponges, the triangles. So, you know, that's, that's four, you know, key players that can still come into this side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from a position of six months ago where Owen Morgan had just left the team as captain, Jason Roy was really struggling at the top of the order. You know, the thought that Alex Howes was going to come back was quite far off, uh, far, far, far off from uh, anybody's real thoughts. Uh, England lost at home to India. Um, but yeah, they seem a new coach as well with Matthew Mott just coming in. It did seem, it, you know, England went into the T20 World Cup as third favourites, I think, third or fourth favourites. So uh, the fact that they've won uh, and the fact that they have players to come back into the side, it certainly bodes well for the immediate future. Yeah, it does. On watching the game last night, New Zealand time, when Pakistan batted, I mean, uh, Masood and Azam, they, they were pretty good, but I just felt the whole time they were probably not just 10 or 15 runs short. I felt they were 30 runs short, just sort of lost their way. And, and, and their game management during their turn at bat didn't look the best. I agree. I mean, it's always difficult, you know, in those kind of conditions. It was so much riding on, you know, the fortune of the game um, to go out there and know what a score is. You know, it's, it's no surprise that the two winners of the semi-final and the winner today in the final was a team that won the toss and decided to chase. Um, and and so it proved. It was also a really good toss to win for England because the conditions were really, really in favour of the bowlers. Um, but saying that, I thought Pakistan actually with, what, five overs to go, um, I thought that they were in a decent position. I thought they could have got 150, 160. And we saw today that chasing down 138 from England wasn't easy. And I still feel if Shaheen Afridi hadn't got injured catching Harry Brook in the outfield, you know, Pakistan, with his still had two overs still to go, you know, it could have really, really taken it close. So I think the two big moments went the way of England today, winning the toss and that injury to Shaheen Afridi. And 
Uh, that was pretty much it for Pakistan. After you know hitting 138 or setting that as a target, you needed absolutely everything to go your way, and that massive thing really went against them. Two standouts for me for England and probably the whole tournament. And this side of the world, uh, Sam Curran, a bit bit of an unexpected hero, a good cricketer, but geez, he, he was crucial in the final. Um, and he and rightly so got player of the match and the tournament. What a tournament for the young man. Well, look, Sam Curran, um, let's not forget, he was Auckland 80s overseas pro. I think he was age 19. Yes. You know, this is a guy that started playing professional cricket for Surrey when he was 16. You know, he turned 20. I mean, you know, I don't know what you were doing when you turned 20, but I, I know I wasn't playing for England at Lawn. But that's what, that's what Sam Curran did a few years back when uh, he, he debuted, he made his debut season um, uh, in 2000, oh, 2017, maybe. I can't quite remember. But essentially, he, you know, he turned 20 playing test cricket. He's um, obviously the son of Kevin, Kevin Curran passed away age 47. His brother Tom plays for England and he's actually got another brother who plays professional cricket for North Ham. So it's it's properly in the family, isn't it? And, you know, I remember him playing for Surrey very early on and Nasser Hussain on Sky Sports Duty at the time remarked that he reminded him of Wazzy Makram. Well, I mean, you know, to be to be drawn, uh, to draw parallels with Wazzy Makram as a 16-year-old, you know, you, you've got to have something special. I think what's changed with Sam is that we now know what his role is within this side. I mm. think for a long time, England were unsure how to utilise his skill. Um, now they know. I think now the, the the task for England is to work out how to get him in the test squad uh, because he just provides not just a point of difference, he provides skill, all-round capabilities, and he's just got that belief in himself um, that... That means when you throw the ball, you know he's not going to be overawed. And today was just another case of that. Mm, it really was. And Captain Fantastic, well, I mean, uh, not a great start for him at the bowling crease. His, his first over was a little bit of a shambles, but he's an out-and-out match winner. I mean, his innings in the ODI final, um, one on the back of him. And then again last night, he struggled, he faltered. Um, I think he took nine run, uh, nine balls to get his first run or something like that. But he dug in and, and guided a ship. He's a valuable skipper. Well, absolutely. Um, look, Stokes has performed you know, some of the greatest innings of recent times in an England shirt, be it at Headingley in 2019. And, you know, still the best innings I've ever seen live um, in that ridiculous uh, win against Australia at Headingley. And that came about three or four weeks after that win at Lord's over New Zealand in the 50 over World Cup final. But let's not forget, actually, if you were to say what is your memory of Ben Stokes in T20 World Cups, it would have been the 24 runs he gave up to Carlos Brathwaite mm. back in 2016. So, you know, this is just him. Uh, his redemption from that, really, it's taken him six years. Is that finally, you know, he's got 2022 to uh, as a comeback to, uh, to 2016. So, look, whilst he was at the crease, you always believed that England had control of their own destiny. If he had gone, then it really would have been advantage Pakistan. He's a, he is a great player, and he's capable of great uh, innings, and he certainly carved out another one of those today. Talking to John Norman from Talk Sport. John, just 
I'm just wondering about the English appetite for cricket. Um, there'll always be an appetite. It's the spiritual home. Just the white ball. Well, T20 and Test cricket. Uh, we see the wonderful tradition of Test cricket over in the UK at your wonderful cricket grounds. Where is where is white ball cricket, and particularly T20, on the menus of cricket fans in the UK? Well, I suppose every team likes every every country fans like a winner, don't they? And you know, certainly there's been a resurgence in the interest in white ball cricket since 2015. Uh, that's for sure. Um, in terms of the crowds at the grounds, in terms of uh, those watching or listening, um, but it's it's been the the manner in which the white ball game has been presented to the public that's made it such an attractive spectacle. And I say that as somebody who grew up. And who still, you know, puts Test cricket as the pinnacle of uh, of the game, and certainly uh, it, it dominates my interest. But when it comes to T Twenty World Cups, when it comes to these World Cups, my, my concentration is completely transfixed on the spectacle that is T Twenty cricket because it does have a place in the game. I think the problem you have is when people feel like T Twenty cricket is pushing out the longer format. But we have seen this year that there's the three formats can exist in harmony. I mean, if you think about it, in the next 12 months, you would have had the T20 World Cup in Australia, which I think has, you know, showcased the very best of the format. Um, um, and, of course, uh, I've seen England win. Then we've got Test, we've got an Ashes series in England um, in June and July, uh, which is going to absolutely dominate. You cannot get any bigger than Ashes cricket in England. And then England go to India, where 50-over cricket World Cup cricket is kicking still, just um, for where England can, you know, try and defend their 50 over title. So that in itself shows that cricket can uh, live harmoniously alongside each other. Um, and you can enjoy all three formats of the game equally. Um, but short answer to your question is yep, we all love white ball cricket. But in terms of the listenership, in terms of what makes money, um, in terms of what drives interest, it's still five-day cricket. Test cricket is still seen as the pinnacle of the game in this part of the world. And I don't want to ambush with you a question that I didn't warn I was going to ask you about, but the Rugby Women's uh, World Cup final was played here. Mm. New Zealand against England has completely, completely catapulted sports fandom to a whole new level in New Zealand. I never thought I would see it. A sold-out Eden Park the Black Ferns winning on the stroke of full time with a five-metre line-out to England. Has, how much press has that got over there? Oh, it's, it's been huge here. It was on terrestrial TV. It was at a brilliant time of the day, 8am um, or so on a Saturday morning. So, you know, you're up with the kids uh, before you go out and head off for your day. It was an incredible conclusion to the match. Um, and, look, any sport which has fans in it um, as passionate as the uh, the New Zealand rugby fans were uh, at Eden Park, a ground um, I know very very well indeed, is going to make for a more interesting spectacle to the uh, to the observer. Whether you're a passionate uh, England fan or whether you're just a neutral or just somebody just watching it, because of course there's so much jeopardy involved. But what I see is what we've had with the women's football in this country. You know, with the England women's football, and they're going to be heading to New Zealand next year, of course, for the uh, for the for the Football World Cup, um, for the Women's World Cup, there is so much more interest in women's sport 
in this country off the back of England winning the cricket in 2017 at Lords against India and England winning the European Championships uh, against Germany last year. Again, a, a sold-out Wembley Stadium, 80,000 people cheering on uh, the women's football team. That's not something I ever thought I'd see, I don't know, five years ago. So um, what's, uh, what it showcases is that women's sport, rugby in New Zealand, uh, football in this country and cricket as well, um, is on the up. And uh, for people in our industry, it can only be a good thing. Absolutely. Um, double, doubles the number of sports we can uh, cover in earnest, and I'm absolutely loving it over here. Uh, love chatting to you, John. Um, I hope you acknowledge I didn't mention Fulham, so let's just not mention Fulham. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, we, not ruin, let's not ruin things right at, right at the end. No, let's not. Thanks so much, John. I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, anytime, matey. Take it easy. Welcome back in. Um, <clears throat> so good to talk to Sarah Hidany uh, at the top of the hour. If you missed that, it's on the SENZ podcast app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, go and have a search of Afternoons with Staffy. And while you're at it, Izzy and Campy for breakfast had Stacey Flula on. Um, gosh, wonderful chat. Her voice was secondhand. <laughs> She's been... Um, Hardly sleeping, and that, I think that's what Sarah hit in. He said that her first meal was some wonton noodle soup, which is going to sneak off to Macca's as well. Just to let you know, at uh, 2.45, we're going to play some races today. Um, <clears throat> of course, Rickerton's Group 1 Day was abandoned on Saturday, and they are racing them today. So at 2.45, uh, we will be bringing you uh, the Barnswood Farm New Zealand 1,000 guineas, a Group 1. Race with Legato is the dollar forty favourite. Tell you what, there's a plunge horse here, Kiki Mora. I'm pretty sure that's a maiden. Yeah, hasn't won a race. That opened at thirty one. It's now fifteen dollars, so that's halved in price. And then in the run home, uh, we will be bringing you the Stewards, which is a Group Three Steward Stakes. And then uh, the New Zealand Cup will be uh, just after five o'clock. Uh, the Group Three. Martin Collins New Zealand Cup so some racing action for you today wish it was Saturday but they turned the sprinklers on so it wasn't so it is today Uh, we'll take a break for new sport and weather and we will return in the next hour we're going to talk some lead Gull fueling your mission pop into your local for some good value fuel gull.nz here to get you through your work day this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Really interesting to talk to John Norman just before about uh, the rise of women's sport in the UK uh, being led by their football team. 80,000 people at Wembley, incredible. And um, a sold-out Cricket World Cup as well when they took on India. And now we're seeing what's happening over here with uh, with the rugby. I know AFLW has certainly got its supporters, NRLW as well. It's a rising tide and I think it's fantastic. It just gives us... Much more, um, much more content to engage with, and it's different. And while it's still rugby, I'm talking about the rugby now. 
it's a different game the way the women play. The, the balls in play a lot longer. And I heard uh, on Stacey Falula's chat with the Bricky boys, they said at half time, no line outs, no penalties. Because the line outs, they were getting destroyed. And that's the plan B. And I loved that. And there were ve- very few scrums as well. The ball was just in play. The fitness levels were remarkable. Just remarkable. And. Yeah, I, I just loved it. Sammy, you watch as much sport as me. Um, probably different emphasis on different codes, but I know you had the Women's World Cup on and um, I can't read out the text that you sent me at the game after the game because there's too many expletives, but <laughs> you quite enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I, um, it was we watched, I, it was around 30th on the, on the weekend, so in a way didn't watch it sort of as close as like, but it was, I probably would have watched it on my own. So actually watching it with a bunch of people made it a bit more fun. Um, and yeah, I didn't, we didn't have the sound obviously up very high because, you know, party and people talking, but even then you could still hear, I could still hear the crowd and I still got this like real buzz off it. So, and just, yeah, incredible finish. And like people talking, people saying that it's one of the greatest World Cup finals, I think simply because quite often finals aren't that close, you know, mm. like... And, and not almost, very high quality. Nah, and, and they do happen, of course, in every sport, but but just not all the time. Um, whereas you think two best teams of the tournament should be very, very tight. But even in, you know, football World Cups, you can get sort of big blowouts. Like the last one was a pretty big blowout for France. So, um, yeah, just the fact that it was so close. And one thing that I will just pick up on a little bit, Steph, like people saying... Um, I saw some people saying... Well, you know, if England had 15 players, they would have completely played us off the park. They would have completely dominated us. Well, first and foremost, that is a hypothetical. There's, there's literally, no, other than you thinking they're a better team, there's nothing you can categorically say for a fact that that is going to happen. But secondly, it didn't happen. Mm. So what, what was this what if, you know, scenario? And like someone said, oh, well, you know, we were one kick away from losing the semi final to, to France. You know, let's not overinflate it. It's like, we didn't. Yeah. We didn't lose. Like that's that's sport. People get so caught up in these what ifs, and you know, at the end of the day, it it happened. It's history now, and probably history making. Um, I had a real sense on Saturday night that you were watching a very historic moment that you'll look back on in a number of years' time as being a real turning point for you know probably women's sport in in New Zealand. So because American, they call it soccer. They had that moment, didn't they, with women's sport when they won the World Cup? Yeah. Maya Harm. Mm, shirt, the US. Shirt off. Mm. Yeah. Um, that was their moment. Mm, yeah. and, and that's still the iconic moment of women's football in America. Well, and I think John Norman's right. Like, everyone just loves winners. You know, mm. it, it, for, the, for the women's US team, they, they obviously won, like, back-to-back World Cups. Or maybe they might have even won, like, three of the, the last four or something like that. And they just gravitate towards them because they win stuff. Like, I don't think there's any secret here that if the Black Ferns weren't successful at this World Cup, it wouldn't have been a hit, right? Is that fair to say? If, uh, if they hadn't, like, if they, say, lost in the quarterfinals oh, quarter or smashed f- by France, you know, I think they, 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 don't get me wrong, there was big change that's taking place, but people just do love winners. People gravitate to winners. I think right? making the final was... 95 percent and the final five was winning um i don't want it to happen but i would have been interested to see what happened our reaction if we hadn't have won i still think it would have been quite just about 
is big. If we hadn't won in the context of that game, like say they had scored at the end, or do you mean if we just say we got beaten by 40 or 50 points? Mm. What are you saying there? If we get beaten by 40 or 50 in the final? Now, like you said, if we had won, do you mean if we had, sorry, if we had lost, do you mean if we had lost, you know, in the final moments like we could have? Or do you mean if we had just lost, like if we'd lost 40 points to nil? Oh, either loss, either loss. I, I truly think that rugby and women's rugby and women's sport had won at kickoff. And the fact that the Black Ferns won the whole thing was, that was the candles in a delicious cake. Mm. Um, well, well, I mean, not, I wouldn't say. Every, a lot of people gave us a chance to win that, right? I mean, yeah, I didn't all week until because of the rain, the rain that was forecast, the thunderstorms that were forecast, all of the stuff that was for. I was just that plays into their hands. Mm. The red card. If England could pick a, if they went to the coaches and the players and said, "You're going to get a person sent off. What position would you like to be sent off? Wing." Yeah, because their strengths in the middle of the park, and credit to them, they didn't even look like they were down a player. They covered so well, mm. uh, but wings probably the least influential position in their type of gameplay in 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 my head. Um, but you know they they hung in and hung in, and do remember we lost Portia Woodman as well. I was well, just going to say, like, was carving them up really. She mm. had that one bust up through the middle. She had she was beating her player out wide, like she was. Dangerous. Mm. So, but people can't underestimate that. So, and the people that were injected, like I'm a huge fan of Aisha Letteinga, who's favorite the- player, <laughs> favorite player. What a just a menace! I love, you know, I love Nehemi Muscada when he first came on the scene. I just love agile rugby players. Mm. Just that can step in and out, and just the pace and the acceleration. It's so fun to watch. Whereas, you know, I do enjoy the big. You know, the, the Julian Savi is the Porsche women's that just sort of run at people and bowl them out. But just the ability to weave, mm. it's so nice to watch. Yeah, and she's got the low centre gravity, yep. very powerful runner and yep. a very gritty runner. And I and she's known for just like, get out of my way or yep. I'll run over you. Mm-hmm. And she lined up that girl for her try and then just went a little in and away, left her almost untouched. Um, Stacey Flula was remarkable like the rate of improvement of Flula um, Hidani the, the Sevens girls that came in mm. um, they were getting better game by game by game by game because that's a big adjustment from Sevens to Fifteens the contact uh, a different kind of fitness like they're doing everyone knows seven minutes two minutes off seven minutes two hours off seven minutes two minutes seven minutes two hours like that through a day it's a very different conditioning model and they're just such athletes our our reserve props that came on and I was never like oh my god we've lost Stacey Flula you know on came Hazel Tubic we just got oh good depth really really good depth and I can't wait for Super Rugby Opiki I want I want New Zealand Rugby to say we're doing home and away Super Rugby Opiki now they will get fans. Yeah, got to be it's definitely got to be bigger. And can we also just address the iconic photo that also came out of uh, this whole uh, World Cup final, which is Wayne Smith with the shades on, uh, holding the cup up on his shoulder, just giving a flip. It's just iconic. That is iconic. And the other iconic one of him and uh, Ruhe Demant yes, uh, in the, the back, back of, of the a golf, golf buggy with the World Cup trophy just cruising out the back of the stand going, that was all right. Captured eh? by uh, the paparazzi, uh, Captain K. Captain K. Who was following them around. Yes, um, there'll be a court order in place very soon. <laughs> but that to me, like, there was just so many 
wonderful examples of that just make you, I saw that photo that Captain K posted on our Instagram and I said that's so cool and then you see the photos of Kendra with the babies as Captain K also said it's so cool um, I saw photos of Sarah Hidden had gone up into the stands a big family representation there as well um, it was it was such a feel I just didn't want to turn the TV off just kept going and going and going and watching and, and taking it all in and well done to all of you that went along and to a person, I would suggest that it's going to be a sporting moment that um, even if you wanted to, you couldn't erase it from your memory. It's a, it's a, it's a lifetime memory. It, it really is. I heard they um, celebrated out at Ted's house as well. Yeah, they went to, yeah, yeah with, got on the ferry with oysters and, and stuff. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask what I don't know. You, you've not been to Ted's, have you, out on Waiheke? No, I haven't. No, nah, I just wonder what sort of paddies running out there. You know, whether it's sort of party conducive, like good views out over the city. It's probably got an infinity pool. There was that a was um, utilized. I saw a video. It must have been in the build up to the final when they sat down with him and. Uh, it was at his house, and they were out on the deck with the, with the bush and, okay. and the ocean. And he's going, oh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's been fun, you know. Yeah. <laughs> one uh, thing, one thing I guarantee is that Ted, we know he's a big red wine drinker, and I he enjoys little amounts of red wine. Well, correct, but he's a connoisseur of, of Connoisseur, sorts. There we go. What I, where I'm going with this is, you have no doubt that the cellar door was open. Yes. Okay. The the ten year vintage, whatever it is, you know, the, those bottles came out. I think Ted would have gone all out with the uh, with the girls celebrating, which is yeah, mm. which is awesome. Um, Staff, did you hear the girls named the World Cup trophy Nancy? I did. Uh, Nancy Wake. That'll be after uh, the mouse, who is uh, a bit of a hero of mine. Um, actually, Peter Fitzsimons, the former Wallaby Lock, wrote a book about her. I've got it at home. It's a oh. great read. She uh, infiltrated the French Resistance in the in the war and. Um, yeah, an unheralded, um, unheralded Kiwi. Um, just have to double check that this is okay. Uh, I haven't got time to read it. It's a big, big text. Anyway, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we're going to catch up with Fonzie. He is the host of this Warriors Life podcast, obviously a big leaguey. We've had him on the show before. Let's get him on again because we've got the World Rugby League Cup final coming up this weekend I think New Zealand will turn blue and red, I think we'll all be chanting 685 which is the international dialing code of Samoa, what a turnaround from them, what's Fonzie made of this Rugby League World Cup, he'll join us after the break Welcome back in, we're going to talk some Rugby League and of course the Rugby League World Cup is on in the Northern Hemisphere pretty devastating uh, result for Kiwis fans uh, not getting the job done against Australia. Had chances. Felt like we outplayed them for big passages of the play and the stars of the Kangaroos weren't really firing, but we just couldn't get the point. So I need an expert. So we got Fonzie. He is host of this Warriors Life podcast. He's he's parked the Warriors jersey for a, a couple more months. Um, so we want to talk about this Rugby League World Cup. Fonzie, Welcome, and first, first of all, your assessment of the Kiwis campaign. Yeah, g'day, Staffy. Great to be on, mate. Look, the Kiwis campaign uh, started scratchy, didn't really get going, I don't think, until the game on the weekends. But it was, a, to me, a hell of a turnaround on the weekend. I was impressed with the way they played. I was impressed with the game plan they brought to the, the game and executed. And if I judge them off their last game, not their first, I think we can be pretty proud if you're a Kiwis fan. Yeah, I felt I felt sorry for the players, and um, 
I've been accused of being a Michael Maguire sympathist. I, I, I really felt sorry for him. And uh, straight away when you when you bow out of a semi-final in a major sport that you're pretty good at, people say the coach should go. Where are you at on Michael Maguire coaching the Kiwis? Look, I was a bit concerned about the way the Kiwis were playing throughout the tournament. I thought they hadn't quite worked out how best to use Joey Manu. They hadn't quite worked out how best to use that middle dominance that they were getting against everybody. And so I think there were legitimate questions about whether Michael Maguire had the game plan and was was getting it into the side that was going to beat the big sides. But to me, uh, the performance on the weekend, I think he got it right. He made the adjustments he needed to. And it just came down to moments on the weekend. I think the Kiwis team was every bit as good as Australia and it was just down to the ball, individual moments. So... And if you look at it realistically, Staffy, I mean, I can't wait to watch Samoa play this weekend and I hope Samoa wins. But um, realistically, that could have been the final on the weekend. Mm -hmm. If you won that game, you had one hand on the World Cup. So going down by two points in that game to Australia, I think, um, I don't think you can judge him too harshly. Why did the Kangaroos struggle to to combat us? Were there failings amongst that group? Look, I mean, the Kangaroos picked a team with five back rowers in it and, and a prop short, which as Warriors fans, we got a bit used to this year. <laughs> and it, and it's, um, it's a play that, you know, that he's going to put you on the back foot against a team with a pack like the Kiwis. All of the Kiwi middles are elite middles. And in this game, they got the balance right of driving through that middle, then a bit of second phase offloads off the back of the dominance they were getting. And so that really meant that um, the Kiwis were keeping the kangaroos honest and, and asking some questions of them. The flip side of that too is the kangaroos weren't making easy metres against the Kiwis and all of that strike they've got out wide never quite got the time and space to be able to sort of take advantage of, of that strength that the, the kangaroos have. So I think the answer is if you've got better middles and you can get on top in that middle, the strike out wide gets sort of degraded quite a bit and that's what we saw. The other semi-final was, oh, I was watching it and I was thinking that this reminds me of the 2011 World Cup when uh, Rugby World Cup when the All Blacks beat France 37-17 in the opening pool. France also lost to Tonga in pool play, found their way into the semi and then just about burgled the final. But this is an even more remarkable comeback by Samoa over England who went down 66 in the opening game and then get a, a golden point victory. Uh, massive comeback from them. Yeah, amazing, wasn't it? I mean, you've got to wonder how much preparation the Samoans did or were able to do in that first week because it was a completely different side on the weekend. And on the other hand, I think England, having had basically all easy games on the way through, didn't know what to do when someone started hitting them back. And so that sort of threw off their rhythm. And so the game, to me, had no rhythm. It was just a collection of remarkable things that happened over 80 minutes and into Golden Point. And, um, yeah, it was one of the most exciting games I've seen in a long time. There were calls earlier in the tournament for Matt Parrish to be rolled mid-tournament. He probably slept quite well after that semi-final, um, uh, and, and probably rightly so. He did turn that team around. He sure did. And it's, I think it's a really good lesson, Staffy, for those, those of us who follow the game closely but aren't in camp, that you just never know what's going on in camp, do you? So 
I think it's six members of the team that played on the weekend actually signed a petition last year asking that Matt Farish be still down as coach. <laughs> I think that's right. And and now they've gone and made the final and Matt Parrish on paper is super coach, right? So we, we just don't understand internal dynamics, I don't think. And back to your question about Michael Maguire, uh, it, it's really easy from the outside to put the blame on coaching and, and these sorts of things. But to, to a certain point, you've got to let results speak for themselves. And what Matt Parrish has done is unprecedented. And I like the way they're playing. I hope he lobbies World Rugby League and says, could we not have an Australian referee? Could we have a neutral referee <laughs> for the final? Because the Kiwis are banging on about having Klein. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I probably have a slightly different perspective on that than a lot of the Kiwi-based fans do. I, I don't think the refs cost the Kiwis on the weekends, and I think there's probably a tendency, certainly amongst Warriors fans, to focus on refs too much. Um, I, I don't think it matters what ref Samoa has on the weekend. I think what matters is whether they can do what the Kiwis did and get over the top of the Aussie middles, and then whether they've got the technical and um, and fitness sort of needed to contain the Aussie edges when the Aussies inevitably get balls. Because, you know, England put 26 points on Samoa. Uh, you, you've got to worry how many points Australia will score, and you've got to wonder how many points Samoa can put on Australia. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the most <clears throat> most important component for Samoa going into the final? It, it probably is defence, isn't it? Oh, look, it is. I mean, we saw um, Jack White and Skin Chunk, Nicol Coxstad uh, on the on our left edge, the Kiwi left edge, on the weekend, and you know, I mean, then you've got Latrell Mitchell, you've got strike everywhere. So it, there's no let up from Australia. They're going to probe you if it's not Josh Adokar. <laughs> running at full speed to catch a kick on the left edge, it's going to be um, you know, the strike down the right edge. And you, every player in the side and the team as a whole needs to um, hold its structure and do their job. And I think that's that's the challenge with Australia. You've got to be relentless for 80 minutes. And to be honest, watching the Samoa-England game, I wouldn't call it a relentlessly excellent game across 80 minutes. It was sort of nip and tuck and phases of dominance for each side, but it was kind of a bit loose compared to the New Zealand-Australia game, I'd say. So I do have a bit of concern for Samoa. Yeah, I do too. But, um, you know, the pressure on the Kangaroos going into a final, like the whole world just expect them to win and probably reasonably comfortably. That should be just an extra bullet in the chamber for Samoa to try and knock them off their game early. Absolutely. I mean, Samoa's got absolutely everything to gain, nothing to lose. And in a way, the Kangaroos have everything to lose and nothing to gain, just the way the the matchup comes together and the expectation on both sides. I think, um, I mean, I've been guilty of underestimating Samoa for the last couple of weeks, so I don't want to do it again now. But I, I do just feel like the Kangaroos, if they're going to bring their best, are going to win. But you know what? In a way, that's okay. You know, what, what's happened so far to me is, in this World Cup has made me feel like a kid at Christmas and I'm just loving it. <laughs> We're talking to Fonzie. He's host of this Warriors Life podcast. Speaking Warriors, we're starting to see a few jerseys on social media, a few photos, a few signings. Uh, you're getting excited. Is it too early for you to start getting excited for next year? For the Warriors? Well, I'll tell you, Staffy, like, I mean, this World Cup, and in particularly what Samoa has done and also watching the Kiwis and other teams has brought back sort of my love or the magic of the game for me because I lost it a bit this year. 
And uh, I'm really excited that Andrew Webster's hit the ground running. I like what I've been hearing from him so far. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I think as the off-season goes on, I'll, I'll build back up into into the Warriors. But I'm not going to lie, I had a lot of apathy coming out of this year, and that's very unlike me. So this World Cup's sort of been the jolt I needed to get my get my rugby league head back on. <laughs> Brilliant and fair enough. Hey, Fonzie, appreciate you chatting to us out of Australia today. Warriors to the core, Kiwis as well. But uh, this week it's go Samoa, eh? Go Samoa. Good man. Thanks, Fonzie. This Warrior's Life, that is the name of his podcast. Do subscribe to that. Uh, he gives you really good coverage during the NRL season. And I think, like um, a lot of people, um, myself, Sam, Captain K, people in the office, we really, really hope uh, Samoa rise up. And uh, just as the Black Ferns did, Black Ferns were underdogs, Samoa underdogs, and we see a wonderful spectacle for the Rugby League World Cup uh, coming up this weekend. Um, We're going to take a break for news, sport and weather. After the news, we're going to have a chat with Spencer Kite. He is a UFC.com feature writer, and we're going to have a look back on the four Kiwis that were involved in the UFC yesterday. A couple of belts, uh, Israel Adesanya going down, but a welcome return to the winning podium for Dan Hooker as well. So Spencer Kite on the UFC after the news. UFC, a very much anticipated fight card for UFC fans and city kickboxing fans here in New Zealand with four representatives there at the the biggest fight arena in the world, uh, the most storied one anyway, uh, Madison Square Gardens. And joining us uh, now is a writer for UFC.com. He's in and around UFC like you wouldn't believe it, Spencer Kite, and he joins us now. G'day, Spencer. Hi, how are you doing? Good, mate. Um, you're going to have to uh, forgive us for being a little bit patriotical and really uh, quizzing you about the four Kiwis. But before I do that, before I do that, uh, Dustin Poirier, uh, Michael Chandler, holy heck, that was a fight. <laughs> yeah, quite a quite a battle, exactly what everybody expected from those two going in. Somehow they managed to exceed expectations. Just a tremendous, tremendous fight and. And really good comeback for Dustin to get that victory. He's sort of been the nearly man, hasn't he? Like he he's a tremendous fighter, but at the, on the biggest stage, he, he just seems to find someone a bit better. Yeah, he's. I mean, to run into a couple of guys in in Khabib Nurmagomedov and Charles Oliveira that are just that that slight level ahead of you, it's it's got to be such a difficult pill to swallow. But I mean, each time out after each of those losses out he comes to put on a performance like this and, and keep himself in that title conversation. Um, let's go through the four Kiwis then. Carlos Allberg was was the first man up. Um, I've been, I was quite underwhelmed when he first started. I just thought he didn't have ring craft. Um, and then over his more recent fights, I've started to see that start to happen. And I was really pleased to see yesterday, started using his range, started to use a little bit of a selection process. The coaching seems to be working for the big man. Yeah, I was in the exact same boat as you. I mean, the the initial performance against Kennedy and Zachiku, you saw some stuff that you liked, but he punched himself out 
and took the loss. The next couple wins were great. You you always want to get a victory, but there wasn't anything there that really stood out to me. But this performance uh, on Saturday at UFC 281 was was an excellent showing. Um, really, as you said, learning to use that range, learning to play to his strengths. And if he continues to do that and, and grow at this rate, he could be a factor in that division forward. Next one, Brad Riddell. Um, of the four fighters, I was the most disappointed in him, really. like Again, my impressions of him, he is <clears throat> he's like a bulldog. You can't get him out of there. He's relentless. And um, he just didn't, didn't have the answers, didn't look to, I don't know, not that he gave up, but I just expected a, a much more spirited effort from him. Yeah, as did I. And I'd, I'd be really interested to hear from Brad in the coming weeks and months once he, you know, gets home and, and gets settled a little bit. This is now three straight losses. It finishes in each of those defeats. And as you said, he's a guy that previous to that was 10 and one and was a tough dog it out in there. And so is there just something that's missing in preparation? Is there something that's not clicking on fight night? What is it that has changed? Because it can't just, or I mean, maybe it's just that he's facing, you know, really quality competition in these guys that he's faced, but I would think it's it's got to be something different than that because Brad is top level and and that wasn't to me a true representation of what he's capable of on Saturday. Talking to Spencer Kite, feature writer for UFC.com. Now Dan Hooker, uh, one of my favourite athletes in New Zealand, and it's heartbreaking when I see him losing. And I think he'd lost four of his last fights. Uh, marquee opponents though. And the thing that delighted me yesterday, I didn't know how good his opponent was going to be. I think we saw he probably wasn't up to scratch, but we did see the class of Dan Hooker. We did see the class of Dan Hooker, and it was good to see. I think there were a lot of people going into that fight that sort of sort of forgot how good Dan Hooker was because, as you said, those setbacks, and it, and it was four of his last five where he caught defeats, but they're all to absolute world-class competitors. I mean, the lightweight champion, Michael Chandler, and Dustin Poirier, who had that great fight at 2A1 as well. And then Arnold Allen, who is right there at the featherweight division. And so we saw Dan go out and do what he is very much capable of. Good to see him get a victory, get back in the win column, and get moving forward again. Then to the main event, uh, the four, four words I was not expecting to hear at the end of that fight was Alex Pereira and New. I just did not see that coming, Spencer. Um, I know he'd beaten Israel Adesanya uh, twice before in kickboxing, but that was so many years ago. And is he such a much more complete fighter? Um, gosh, Alex Pereira had had time away from the ring and then just said, I'll, I'll come back and have a crack at this. I didn't see it coming at all. No, neither did I, and especially not after the way the third round went where where Israel was able to wrestle him and sort of he looked looked like he was able to tire him out and and Alex didn't have a lot to offer for much of the fourth round it felt like Izzy was on his way to that unanimous decision win and getting that measure of revenge but you know credit to to Alex Pereira for just staying in there staying game and and you know finding a way to pin Izzy down against the fence and and get him out of there when he needed that stoppage to, to get the victory. Yeah, I don't know where he got the second win from Pereira because um, as anyone that watched saw maybe if the first round had another 10 or 15 seconds, it's a first round KO to Izzy Arasanya. He fought back, he found some reserves and 
I thought Israel was probably up three three rounds to one going into that final one, and I thought, does he run or does he stick and play? And I think the fact he wanted to write the ledger of those earlier two losses might have cost him his belt because he could have stayed at range, stayed out of trouble, and even picked it up 3-2. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like he had everything sorted out, right? It seemed, as as you said, he was he was officially up 3-1 on the desert scorecards going in. I think I think Pereira really got motivated by his corner, former champ Glover Teixeira and, and his head coach, Fernelli Ferniz, just getting into him and saying, look, you got to go and knock this guy out. And we saw Pahea come out to start that fifth round, looking to engage. Even through up until that finishing sequence, I thought Izzy was doing the right things and, and moving well and taking those few shots that he had. I didn't think he needed to really go out there and make any kind of statement in the fifth round, but it shows you the the difference maker that power and size is, especially in those larger weight classes for Alex Pereira to just be able to walk him down and, and find those shots that just put Izzy away and, and change the course of that fight. And while Izzy has lost his belt, he wouldn't have lost any pulling power because I'd imagine the UFC world will can't wait to see his response to losing the belt. Is it a mandatory rematch or is the negotiations need to be had? It's not a mandatory rematch. So unlike, you know, major boxing promotions, there's, there's not clauses in the contract of an, of an automatic rematch, but Dana White, the UFC president said Saturday night after the event at a press conference at his media availability, that you have to look at what, what Israel has done and the victories he's had and so it would make sense. But he also acknowledged that, you know, I want to talk to Israel and, and see what he wants and give him some opportunity here. Because if he doesn't want to run back into this or he wants to try something else, maybe a move up to light heavyweight, explore those options as well. But from from the few conversations I've had with Israel and how much I know this one meant to him, I wouldn't be surprised if we see these two fight again in the first first half of next year. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Hey, Spencer, really enjoyed talking to you for the first time, my friend. Uh, good to talk UFC with someone, and we'll, we'll be in touch uh, when there's another big card. Really appreciate your time. I appreciate it. Anytime you need me, I'll be here. Thanks, man. Spencer Kite, wonderful writer, good insights into UFC 281. Big card for New Zealanders. Um, we are counting down to... Oh, the next race, uh, we've had three races so far from the rescheduled, um, I've just seen something, the rescheduled Rickerton card from Saturday, of course abandoned and they've rescheduled to today. And I just saw a bet that I had in race four on Saturday that was abandoned and cancelled my bet. I had a Quinella, it came in today, but I completely forgot about it. So Ava Quinella won the first race. Um, the Radiant one at $6.70, one race two. And Little Hooves Got Moves, one race three. There's a name. There's a name of a horse. So race four is the 1,000 guineas. It is a group one event. It's for $400,000 over the 1,600-metre trip. We have a forbidding favourite, Legato. We'll start favourite. Uh, it's at the forty mark, Kenny Kelso. Trains and uh, Ryan Elliott, senior jockey. Uh, it's the top weight, 56 and a half. It's got the draw of four. A lot of upside. I don't think it's ever been beaten. No, three from three. It's won twice in a fresh state. It's won once, second up. 
um, but it is its first trip to the course. Don't uh, touch it. Is that you, Sam? Yeah, don't touch it. Why? Staff, we won the 1,000 guineas last year, you remember, on uh, Perfect Pink. Yes, uh, we did. Opie coming on the show a few months earlier, and I'm hoping for the same this year because about a month ago, just or over more. a month, a month or more actually, got tipped out one kiss at 41 bucks. It's uh, at 16s as it stands right now. Fourth favourite, though. That I'm, I'll take it. Hey, Perfect Pink wasn't the favourite, Steph. That's hey, right. Perfect Pink wasn't the favourite, mate. i tell you what, you've got, uh, I think he's the leading jockey in the country at the moment, uh, Michael McNabb. Go on, go on, McNabby. You've got a nice draw. In fact, they've all got good draws because there's only nine in, uh, nine in it. Yeah, I think there's nine in it. Um, where's it gone? One Kiss, Michael McNabb. Beautiful bright green silks with a oh, black my sash. Favorite. My favourite. Your black sash. Uh, opened at 18 this morning. It's drifted just a little bit out to 21, but pretty much everything's been on the drift as Legato goes into a dollar thirty-five favourite. No, nah, don't touch it. Dollar They're not th- listening to me. They're not listening to me, Steph. Yeah. Uh, did you back? Actually, did you back one kiss for a place? Because that's three thirty. I, I should have done either each way. I didn't know. Unfortunately, oh, no. And as Maddie Johns would say, better than crypto. Um, three dollars thirty. They are loading away. We've still got uh, just under a minute to go before they're all. In the barrel, uh, Romancing the Moon is your second favourite, Craig Grills. And uh, Mark Walker is the trainer there. That's drawn one, um, the tangerine colours. I'm picking it'll lead. I'm picking it'll try and lead the whole way, Romancing the Stone. Uh, keeping an eye on the stables. Uh, Matty Cross will have the call very shortly, just waiting for them to cross to the track. Uh, and Kiki Mora was a massive plunge horse today. Opened at 30, moved to 40, went to 20, it's now back at 40. So I'd say there is a massive, massive go for this red hot pot legato. But for Sammy's sake, for Sammy's sake, let's cheer on one kiss. Uh, it's now dropped into 26, so it's had a little bit of late money, Sammy. The listeners are on with you. The listeners are on with you. They're just still parading around behind this. Behind the starting stalls, one's not really wanting to go in. Legato looking magnificent, just on a little bit of a little bit of a light jig, kicking stones as they stay. How long's the race, Sam? Just asked me. It's sixteen hundred metres. How long will it take? Is what you meant, isn't it, Sam? How long will it take? About oh, minute between a minute twenty, minute thirty. A thousand metres is a minute, so sixty percent of that. Is thirty six, so about about one forty five, about one forty five. Now the favourites up in the air is not interested in going to the starting stalls. Kick them out, it's, it's kick them out. Wheeling, it's about fifty metres behind. Get rid of him. Fifty metres behind. A late scratching, Sammy wants. Come on, a late, late scratching. He, he doesn't wants. want a bar of it. Just he is so far away from the starting stalls. So Ryan Elliott's dismounted. Some concerned owners look on. This isn't good for our timing as well either, Steph. This isn't good for our timing. In fact, um, it's terrible for our timing. Um, How long is it going to take for this for them to clear this up? Oh, we while. Not five minutes. Not five minutes. Let's actually let's 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 take our break now because it looks like it's a wee while away from starting and we'll come back with the thousand guineas. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
I tell you what, there's drama at Rickerton, this red hot pot, $1.35. Legato refuses to go in, refuses even to go anywhere near the starting stalls. They're now running six and a half minutes after start time. Um, and I'd say it's going to have one more chance, one more chance. Um, and they can't, they can't get it even within 20 metres of the starting stalls. Can we, can we go to the track and get this drama, Sammy? So she's now on the forward motion, up toward her stall. She goes straight in. So she's in. The Group 1 Barnswood Farm, 50th New Zealand 1000 Guineas. She has a little bit of a rare legato. Set now, racing in the Guineas. She wasn't all that fast away, Legato, perfectly suited, got back, Romancing the Moon, bestseller, the first two to go. Kiki Mora moves through underneath of Blue Solitaire, then Kindred Spirit, who settles midfield on the outside of one kiss. Legato next in a good rhythm, third from last, and next to the inside is perfectly suited and two lengths away to O'Royden, who is last of all. The leader is Romancing the Moon, by three quarters of a length on bestseller, Kiki Mora the inside. A neck away on the outside is Blue Solitaire, Three lengths away to one kiss underneath of Kindred Spirit. Legato seven off them on the outside of Perfectly Suited. And O'Reardon is the last of them and they cover eight or nine top to bottom. Down the side of the course at the 850. And the Barnswood Farm 50th New Zealand 1000 guineas. The leader romancing the moon. Best seller the outside. A length and a half away. Blue Solitaire around Kiki Mora. Legato now let him prove. Goes up into third or fourth on the outside of Kindred Spirit from one kiss. O'Reardon and two lengths away last is perfectly suited heads a turn now at the 500 metres romancing the moon leads narrowly on the outside blue solitaire back to the inside Kiki Mora still there in the deepest bestseller and Legato spots them three well in the straight here bestseller moved up on the outside of blue solitaire Legato now goes to full bore on the outside she moved to bestseller then came blue solitaire but wow wee off she goes ladies and gentlemen, this nimble filly is a guinea star, Legato as easy as you like, won it by nearly six, second across bestseller, third in blue solitaire. And oh what a star horse, this one by seven lengths, ears pricked, jockey just sitting on its back. Should have been scratched. Thank goodness they took so long. Uh, we'll Should have been scratched. I'll scratch myself, we'll come back. Yes, the Guineas have been run and won Legato picking up the Group 1 New Zealand 1000 Guineas. Straight after the news, we're going to play the vault. Uh, we had to put it back because of that delayed race. So if you want to play the vault, we've got a brand new iconic sporting moment for you. You'll get seven questions and you're in for a $50 TAB bonus bet if you can get it today. So call us 0800 150 811. We'll play the vault right after the news. No one's called for the vault, so you can be first in, first served, 0800 150 if you want a chance to win a $50 TAB bonus bet on day one of a brand new vault. Give us a yell now. Give us a call now, first in, best dressed, 0800 
150811. We had someone tweet the show on Twitter. Paul in Taranaki, he needed the favourite for his quarry. So you got the chocolates, mate. They gave it so many chances and it actually just walked in like a lamb at the end. Did Legato. Just the official placings are Legato first across the line uh, with Ryan Elliott aboard. Paid 130 a win and a dollar a place. Best seller. Sam Spratt uh, rode that, and that's owned by a syndicate um, managed by Adrian Clark. Um, so, best seller, and I think it was the second favourite as well, paid two bucks a place in Blue Solitaire, Daniel Stackhouse, wonderful jockey. As uh, 4.20 and 4th was the early leader, Romancing the Stone in the hands of Craig Grills. That has run 4th of Quinella, paid 4.80. Um, the trifecta, $51, and the first four paid $117.60. Grant has texted in and he's asked, who picks the order of the horses going to the gates and how long do they have to get them in? Seems unfair on the other horses. Cheers, Grant. I take your point, Grant. I'm not 100% sure on how they choose the order. Um, I think they try and stagger it, so one on the inside, one on the outside, then the next one in and sort of staggered like that. I do know they leave some, some horses that can get a bit... A bit jumpy if it's left in the stalls for too long. They do get a special pass and they're, they're allowed to load in last. Um, there were two horses parading behind the stalls uh, waiting for this favourite to get stalled up. Um, and then it took so long. Uh, didn't see all the pictures, but it looked like they had unloaded all the horses from the barrier because they can stand there. They can stand there and um, just... Well, six minutes. So some of them would have been in there about eight minutes if they'd left them there. So they took them all out, let them wander around, tune out, put them back in the stalls, tune in. Um, so it can be unfair on the other horses. I do take your point. Um, Jimmy got Jimmy was on number one. Um, so you're happy, Jimmy. Uh, sorry, Tony, not Jimmy. Tony was on number one. Um, no, I think he. I think he was on one kiss. No, he's got. I'm on one question mark. Yeah. Maybe that must have been kisses kiss emojis. Yeah. Oh, sorry, and, Tony. And so was Phil. Phil was on one kiss as well. Sorry, lads. Um, I'll just see if I can find out where that finished. Fifth. Uh, oh, they haven't got the order, but um, yeah, it wasn't in the first four. It just was put off staff by the delay. Um, it was ready to run at two forty-five. I'd, I'd spoken to a few people around the tracks, and it was ready to go at two forty-five. It's an on-time horse. It was actually ready to go on Saturday. It actually was, yeah. The it extra was trained couple. to the minute. You know, they say every day you age, you age closer to your death. And yeah. I think uh, one kiss is, you know, just lost a bit of performance there. But look, I, I'm not going to crucify anyone for it. Um, Apart from that. Staffy speaking that a commentary. Nigel Yeldon did the radio commentary on the women's final. Not sure people are aware of it, but he's he really got into it. He's a good commentator, Nigel Yeldon. He really is. Uh, Mark has said, uh, are you guys going to put the races on today? Please, from Mark, or even the results, yes, I will. Uh, we will. Uh, the group races are going to be on the run home. We're going to bring you the race at, I think it's two minutes past four is the next one we're going to take. But any of the other races, in fact, what I'm going to do for you, Mark, very shortly, I'll run through the card and the and the results <clears throat> that have happened so far for those of you that haven't been able to see or, or listen. Um, 
Steph, just um, just quickly, I think we might have had some problems with the phone box here, so calls weren't coming through. Uh-huh. Um, so $100 bonus bet is up for grabs for the vault. Oh, we'll it's put- 100 Oh, yeah, because we're day two. Yeah, day two. So oh, 100 bucks. It's 100 100 bucks up for grabs if you want to call 0800 and the phone line should be open now, hopefully. Now. I'm just seeing, I'm just going back here. Have I got the set of questions from, jeez, oh, have I brought the wrong pad out with me? I better not. Yeah, I've got the hurricane. There was squad. some there was some curly questions thrown out on Friday. I'm not going to lie, I listened in and some very interesting responses. Yeah, interesting responses. Um, Staff, I was watching the senior PGA Tour on the weekend. Elka has played 32 tournaments on the senior tour and has made 26 top 10 finishes. That is crazy, crazy consistency in golf. I agree with you, Mike. Unbelievable. Dave has written four dollar eighty Quinella boom. Was that 480 with those top two favourites? It was. Wasn't hard to pick. Wasn't too hard to pick. Um, hey, Steffi, do you know why Zahn Sullivan wasn't picked for the All Blacks 15? I don't, Nick. Sorry. I don't. He went, didn't he? Yeah, I don't know. And I didn't watch that game. I'm going to watch them both tonight, actually. Um, really good text from Andrew, and we're going to try this. Uh, he said... Hey guys, how about getting hold of one of the props? They had a hell of a game, or the hooker, only one bad throw. Love to hear how those young women felt running out to see us all there cheering them on. Andrew, we're going to try and get um, Amy Rule or Pip Love or Georgia Ponsonby or any of those. We'll try and get someone on tomorrow because they'll have a story to tell as well. Um, gosh, it was amazing. Uh, Pete has texted in and said, Hey team, firstly, what a... What a continuation of a great advertisement for rugby the final was. Just to add a bit of brevity to the conversation, without wanting to sound like a Grinch, because we've been talking people up, we should have iced that game earlier. If we can learn a bit of game management, we'll be nigh on untouchable. Uh, Inga did score two tries, both laid on a platter for her. However, she put us under pressure on three occasions when she... Chased back on a restart and clearly put Ruse off. That was never her ball to take. Then she dropped the kick and she threw a poor pass to Flula when she had an overlap. Yeah, the, I think the point you make there, a bit of game management, I mean, they got better and better each time. And I think if they played England the next two weeks, you know, um, don't know for sure. I think the margin would maybe slowly slip out and slip out. So... Um, we will think we're still having issues with the phone box, are we? We've got actually the life members got through. The champion has got through. Must have a magic phone. He, he's run hot. We're on redial. Zaid. Yeah. You're gonna get a go at the <laughs> vault. Okay. Sounds good. Now, did you listen to last week's one? Uh I don't think I did because I think that's when I was coming in studio. So I don't think I did. Ooh, well, this will be fresh, aren't we? This will be fresh. Shall I run out and get the questions? I run a pair. You run out and get the questions. Play the intro here for Zay just to make it all official. Five questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? Steph's not going to make it back in time. He is running. I can promise you that, Zade. So uh, you know how it works, mate. Five questions today, yes or no questions. Uh, and then at the end of that, you will get a guess uh, to try and attempt to solve the combination, the winning combination, open up the vault staff. Do you have the questions from Friday? Got them. Brilliant. So what okay. you can select two of them. You can select questions one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven. You can select two, and I'll give you the questions and the answers that were given. Then you get five questions. 
One in seven. One in seven. Is it to do with horses? No. Is it women's rugby league? No. Gee, that's not a massive help. And his guess was the Black Caps winning the World Test Championship, and his guess was wrong. So now you get five goes. Okay. Um, is it is it men's rugby league? Men's rugby league. Is it men's rugby league? Zaid, it is not men's rugby league. Okay. Um, what's that? Is it a team sport? Is it a team sport? Always a good question. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, it's a team sport. Three more. Um, is it is it a round ball sport like soccer? Is it soccer? Wow, what's the question? Does it involve a round ball or soccer? I'd go with the former. Is it a round ball? Is it a round ball sport? Yes, it is. Oh. Yes. Well, it could be tennis, it could be cricket, it could be volleyball, it could be basketball. They're all round Um, balls. Okay, is it is it cricket? Is it cricket? Question four for Zay today. No, it is not. (gasps) Okay. Mm. We'll give this a go. Um, is One. it soccer? Is is it is it soccer? Is it football? Is it soccer football? Yes, it is. <gasps> right now, you have to have a guess. You've had your five. Okay. What I'm gonna go. Okay, is it? I don't know the area era, but I'll give it a go. Is it the Zinedine Zidane headbutt 2006 World Cup? Oh, I love that guess. I don't know if it's guess. right. It's a big guess. It's out there. It's wacky. It's wild. Put it's it in put the vault. Put it in the vault combination. Find out if you're correct. Oh, access denied. Oh, access denied, Zade. I tell you what, you made some ground, though, Zade. That's good effort, buddy. Yeah. I didn't, didn't ask the error, though. That was. Because by the time I asked soccer, it was a bit too late. So mm. No, good effort, bud. Yeah. Thanks for having a crack. All good, then. Cheers, mate. Thank you. So 150 tomorrow. 150 tomorrow. Tomorrow. On the vault. And then if it's not, then you've got to wait till Thursday. You've got to stew on the information. Mm. Do you think you got an idea? Uh, I had one. Okay. Wasn't that one, but I loved that guess. Good guess. I loved that guess. All right, should we find out what's making news, Sam? Oh, why not? Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? I have got an idea in my head. Oh. Yeah, but I just had a peruse of the seven questions from the other day, so I have got one in my head. All right. Interested to hear what it is. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying. Now, Mark Stafford, I know you're big into celebrity marriages. Uh, what's, your fav- what's your favourite celebrity marriage? Oh, my probably, Been some good ones. My favourite celebrity marriage that didn't happen was Jennifer Aniston and... Um, David Trummer. No. Oh. <laughs> and uh, who was she with for ages and never got married? Brad Pitt? Uh, she was with Brad Pitt and then he dumped it for Angelina Jolie. Yeah. That didn't work out for him. Controversial. Yeah. She, yeah, that like ruined her basically. Mm. She's not really... 
Because a lot of celebrities get married and their husband or wife become celebrities because they got married to yeah. that person. Yeah. But, uh, okay, who are you going to give me? Tom Brady and Giselle, who are you giving me? No, I'm going to give you, and we've actually talked about the story of when they were at first engaged, but I'd let you know that they're now officially married, got married over the weekend. Oh. Uh, Taylor Lautner who you won't know at all, uh, star of the Twilight series. Right. Uh, he's married his longtime girlfriend, Taylor Dome. I thought it was another guy who was the lead in Twilight. Oh, well, that, there's two of them, but Taylor Lautner oh. is, is one of the stars. Okay. Anyway, so Taylor Lautner uh, has married his long-time, uh, long-term girlfriend, Taylor Dome. Now, mm. Taylor Lautner. <laughs> they are both Taylor Lautner and legally have named themselves well, she's named. She's taken on his name, so we now have Taylor Lautner married to Taylor Lautner. Wow, he's married. I mean, it's going to confuse people, isn't it? Yeah. And you say I'm married to Taylor Lautner, like you go on Facebook, married to Taylor. In fact, it'd probably look a little bit egotistical. Yeah. You know, I- married to yourself, married to my work. I think I'm right in saying Andy Leslie, the great All Black former All Black captain's wife's name is Leslie. Really? Mm. So Leslie, Leslie. Mm. That's. I mean, it's like having two first names. You know, some people have it, like uh, Tony Adam, the uh, the mole. He's uh, you know double first name. The people say don't trust people with two first names. No, Mark um, Taylor Lautner. There you go. Same same name as his uh, as his now wife. Um, now I click on these stories because the headline captivates me, Mark. As opposed to the content itself, it's the headline. I'm a sucker for some clickbait. Yeah. Uh, police urge people not to buy owls from strangers while on drugs. Don't buy owls from strangers. While on drugs. Right. And I had to click on that because obviously you've got to know why police are putting that sort of message out there. It seems like a pretty logical message to me. In fact, I'd probably just don't buy owls at all uh, yep. on drugs, but particularly from strangers. And the reason why is because uh, the Pace and Police Department in Arizona uh, did have to remind people of us. In the early hours of uh, the 9th of November, they came face-to-face with a driver who had indicated that he was on methamphetamine. Mm. He also had an owl just sitting in his passenger seat. Wow. I don't know if it was buckled in or not. And when they asked him about it, uh, he said that he had bought it from a gas station from a man that he had just met. So some guy was selling owls at, at gas stations, and this man <laughs> this man took took the bait, as it were. <laughs> and so now police are saying, that's not the thing to do, people. You know, don't, they, the other policeman says, don't blow on the pie. This one says, don't buy owls when you're high on drugs. Um, this is a message for everyone that I wanted to put out there for a Monday. And... Oh. Good text in there from James. Drake, who loves to place a sports bet from time to time. I don't know if you saw this, but he lost two million bucks on our good mate Israel Adesanya. Oh, two million dollars. He was only going to win two point nine mil. He was only going to win nine hundred k. But uh, he's now down two mil, which to Drake is probably about ten cents of our money. But uh, you'd be gutted. You'd be gutted with it. You'd be gutted with it. And you want a fact to finish? I've sort of worked this fact out myself, actually. Done some number crunching. Sure. So if 99% of the... This will make people feel better. If 99% of the human population thought you were really ugly... In fact, if they just thought you were ugly, Steph, Mm. 99% of the population, there'd still be 78 million people that find you attractive. Yes. There's hope. And those are the sort of numbers I'm happy to deliver and I'm happy to live by. (laughs) You can use that with anything, couldn't you? If 99% of the world hate you, there's still 70 million people out there who actually like you. A little bit. Yeah. Or a neutral. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll take those stats. Um, I was right about Leslie Leslie. Thank you. Um, Taylor Taylor spelt the same, Graham. Spelt the exact same way. 
And there was another one here. Uh, gosh, it was a beaut too. Uh, from Rory. Show doesn't complete without a message from Rory. I've never been married, but I've had a few near misses. <laughs> <laughs> and James has tried to top him as well, just one up from that. James says, I'm ashamed of this. No? And yes, this is me. What are you talking about? Which one? The one directly above Rory's one. Oh, I bought drugs off an hour once. We had a hoot. <laughs> we have to do dad joke day one. We will. Day we we will. It's starting to develop into that organically, so we, we'll definitely. We just do. have to. We just have to. Uh, we will take a break. Yes, it's time to take a break. On the other side of this, going to talk to a young, inspiring woman. Her name is Maya Mariner, and she's a founder of a th- a movement called Lazy Sneakers, which puts shoes on people who can't afford them so they can play sport. And she is speaking at a woman in sport conference this week, inspiring young woman, Maya Mariner. She will join us after this. Well, there's a big conference going on this week in New Zealand, and it's a big deal, actually. It's the IWG's uh, Women in Sport World Conference coming to New Zealand. There are some big, big names arriving, and in amongst them is a 17-year-old Kiwi, Maya Mariner, and she joins us now. G'day, Maya. Hi, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I've I've read your resume about the things you've done. Um, the reason you've been selected and been widely recognised is is a movement or a company or a charity called Lazy Sneakers, which sounds like a good name for a thriller novel, actually. But um, Lazy Sneakers, can you give our listeners a little bit of a, a summary about uh, why you started it and what it is? Well... Lazy Sneakers is a non-for-profit charity that collects and distributes reusable sneakers um, to people in need for free. And I, I started that when I was 12, so that was about like 2018. And uh, I'm 17 now, so it's obviously it worked out quite well. But yeah, um, that's, that's what I do. So this is about providing um, athletic footwear for people that may not be able to afford it, may not be able to access it, which is just brilliant. What 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 drove you to do that at 12 years old? Um, I had just noticed that a few of my friends, because I, I used to play basketball, and I, I, you know, I noticed in playing basketball at a really young age, <clears throat> a lot of my friends um, or teammates couldn't play or participate just because they didn't have the proper footwear to. So they either had to sit on the bench or they, they really struggled. They were tripping over. And, and I noticed that. And I, I went back to my mom and dad and I told them about it. And, you know, my, my mom and dad, my parents, they explained to me that this this is a um, this is a big issue, you know, all over New Zealand. It's not just my immediate community. So I was a bit of a naive kid. So, um, yeah, we brainstormed a way to help our community and we came up with a shoe bank. Cheapest. So where do you access the shoes? Um, well, we get them from everywhere. Um, we have a few collection sites in Wellington and a few all over New Zealand, and we just spread our message and say, hey, if you have a pair of um, lazy sneakers, we'd like to reactivate them. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of people behind us, which is cool. 
That's brilliant. So have you got a website? Because I'm imagining some listeners' ears would have pricked up, and you know, or like, well, even myself. I've got about five pairs of sneakers and I probably wear two of them. So I can drop off three. So do we go to a website to find out drop-off points? Yeah, so we have a website, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and LinkedIn. That's awesome. Now you're, so, yeah. you're part you of get all the Sorry. Get all no, the no, information there. So how many pairs of shoes have you distributed through New Zealand so far? Well, um, it's really exciting because in, in 2020 we made a goal to um, have distributed and collected over 10,000 sneakers by 2023, but we, we reached that goal you know, in October. So over 10,000 collected and distributed now. Gosh, that's amazing. That's so good. Now, this this conference, you're going to be speaking at it. Um, what have what have you sort of thought about the main key parts of your speech should be? Um, I well, spoilers. Um, <laughs> I reckon I'm I'm talking kind of about you know like how Indigenous women have influenced me to um, keep lazy sneakers going and. My nannies, in particular, are real driving forces. They, they, um, you know, inspire me to do everything I do. And I talk about how Indigenous women, um, you know, it's important to have role models that look, sound, and act like yourself. So then you are able to see that when you see people like that gaining major success, you know, on national and international scales, um, you know that it's possible. And um, in terms of you know, and I talk about how that inspires me to keep lazy sneakers going, um, to inspire more leaders, and also um, you know encourage um, young Maori and Pacifica to um, get into sport. Like, and we, I just talked about how just I talked about a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, two things would probably be about encouraging our Maori and Pacifica kids to um, you know to just go for it. Yeah, and it's like encouraging them to play sport and we don't want shoes. The the simple thing, and it's simple for a lot of us, just shoes can prevent you from participating in sport. But the thing that you're doing at a, as a 17-year-old, and you can tell the story that you were 12 to um, young Māori, Pacifica, Palangi, whatever, and there'll be some teenage kids out there and say, you know what, this, this issue has been bugging me. I'm going to get off my butt and see if I can do a Maya. That's... I know that's not your intention, but that's one of the really good spin-offs about your success, your passion, your drive, is you will inspire some teenagers out there. That's got to feel pretty cool. Yeah, it feels pretty cool. We've actually had a few um, kids all over um, New Zealand, like you said. They they um, thought that Lazy Sneakers was really cool and they wanted to get involved. So we actually have what we call Lazy Sneaker Ambassadors in Auckland, Christchurch, Napier, you know, some really awesome kids. Well, well done to you for doing something so selfless and benefiting, as you say, 10,000 pairs of shoes, and it's just going to keep growing. I think it was wonderful that a young Maya Mariner had the foresight. You've got the family around you to encourage her and your grandparents as well. I can only imagine them looking down. Uh, they'll be earnest, but they'll be proud of you, Maya. Well done, and um, enjoy that week and uh, keep inspiring people. I think it's brilliant. Sweet. Thank you so much. Show you the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money.
Um, just before we do that, I've just had a squiz through lazysneakers.co.nz and I'd encourage you to. There's actually a photo of her with Prince Harry who said to her, what a great idea, you need to expand this. It's projects like Lazy Sneakers we need to embrace and support. And she's she's won a fair few awards and um, it's a great story. And I was looking for drop-off locations, they are countrywide. Um, there's physios, there's shoe shops, there's uh, Nelson Basketball Head Office. You can drop them there as well. Great idea. Love getting young Kiwis on who are very selfless like Maya. So lazysneakers.co.nz. We're going to revisit Show Me The Money. We don't dodge uh, bullets that um, are going to hit us anyway. Sam. Sorry, Kane. Um, he didn't want us to do it, Steph, but we must, I feel. Um, it's like being a politician, isn't it? You've got to be accountable. You've got to own your mistakes because, heck... If it comes in, we'll be shouting from the rooftops. Like we Kids do. will be streaking down the street like he does. He does. You know? He does love a streak, actually, kids. He loves the streak. And he, he actually does it if we get three out of four. He did, he did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, he, he loves it. And uh, look, I may, he may not be doing it today. No. That's probably fair to say. Let's start with um, starting a high or a low. High. Go high. Uh, okay. Well, we'll start with uh, the kangaroos... V the Kiwi the Kiwis the Kiwis at uh, eight thirty on Saturday morning and I told you staff that I was going to stay clear of any sort of result or oh, try right. scorer yes. because I just didn't I couldn't pick it um, so I went for the under total points for the match under forty two and a half I thought it'd be tight I think I said that only one game of their last ten was over forty two and a half mm-hmm. final whistle full time Australia beating New Zealand by sixteen points to forty. 30. 30 total match points. Show me the money. Now, I thought, I, rest of the tips, looking at them, staff, I thought, we, we, this could be it. This mm. could be the weekend, right? Mm. And I imagine a lot of people's multis were ruined over the weekend because some big underdogs got up. Um, we'll go to the UFC next, shall we? Uh, Coach, uh, Captain K t- uh, found himself at the Adesanya card, and uh, Captain K, we'll just bring you in here because you didn't want to take the head-to-head. You didn't want to take Wasn't any of these enough. exotic power, but you just went for the double chance, didn't you? I I just had a, a slight twinge on my spidey senses going into the weekend that Pareto might actually do it for the third time. Mm, Sammy, did he yeah. did he do it or no? I've I've blanked everything yeah, out. Yeah, but what did you you picked? Uh, I so I picked Israel Adesanya to win by KO TKO or points. So it was a double chance because I just thought, you know what? Izzy's usually a set bet, you know, but I thought I might just double down here and just take the two options. Look, I don't know if you gathered it mm. from that staff, but Pereira did win. Uh, he did beat Israel He Adesanya. did it again. He did it again. Can so, I tell you what my UFC multi was, just to make Kiss feel a little bit better? Go on. I had Olberg by knockout. Yeah. Hooker by knockout. Yeah. Uh, Brad Riddell to lose. Ooh. And Israel Adesanya on points. Wow, you're very close. So close. Because he was 3-1 up with one round to go and he yeah. was leading and went got sparked. Yeah, I actually made a joke to young Neeps, who we all know is a massive UFC fan. As he left the building on Friday, I just yelled out, Pereira by knockout. And he was like, oh, no, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, I mean, 
Not bad. Not bad. Um, and our uh, loyal listener, Kane, uh, he also went to the UFC. He chose uh, He chose Brad Riddell. It's, it's like, now it's over there. Oh, now it's, it's over there. Yeah, now it's over totally there. over there. He's there it is. And not to the Brad Riddell in round one. Yeah. So, so now, don't take this wrong. I always feel a little bit better if one of us three loses in the call because I'd hate mm. for one of us to cost our listener but he oh, cost happened. himself oh no it's happened it's happened it's, it's happened it? you yeah. remember that don't you Sam was that my one that was your one oh, okay. you were the only yeah, one that's right I gave up and you that's were the right. shortest price I retired <laughs> and I had an $11 shot that gave up that's right what did I take what did I take Seems, that day oh something oh you had Nelson Asafa oh that's right yeah Naz big Naz um, and we don't have your one here Steph audio wise what was your one of my one was Argentina to beat Wales. That's right. And I actually put that in a couple of multis too because I so thought I. Good, good value. They were sort of even. And relative, uh, close-ish, yeah, 2013. Within a, within a score. And I was watching it with, not roast tinted, what colour are they? I don't know. I felt like they, they did enough Blue. to win that one. They did enough to win that one. Yeah. Oh, oh. I was disappointed. I was, it, like, very hard weekend of sport to pick. Oh. So much going on and a lot of upsets and, yeah. Just ruined a lot of multis mm. for me, Steph. You okay now? Mm. I would have been better if one mm. kiss had won. Mm. That would have been nice. Mm. Um, and can I, can we, we haven't actually talked about this quick. Can we just have a little, very, very quick chat about the fact that, you know, I looked at international rugby over the weekend. Did you? This weekend and last weekend. And you know much how much how much I love my my union, and um, this will be, be, like, be a hot take. I get called out on Twitter all the time, eh? Like you you union basher, and uh, you just go stick to league. And I was like, gee, I, I have a lot more background in rugby than I do rugby league. Um, I watched the internationals over the last two weeks, and I the excuse that I hate people bandying about is the world's caught up. And I'm not going to go too hard on the All Blacks here, but that term that the world has caught up. When Australia is still as weak as they've ever been, Steph, lost mm. to Italy, right? Mm. England have gone backwards severely since the 2019 World Cup, but especially in the last 18 months. South Africa are a shadow of themselves from 2019. I mean, some someone tweeted out these stats that against, I think it was England, New Zealand, Ireland, Australia, South Africa's win percentage since 2019 is 22% mm. or something against mm. those nations. So they've gone backwards. The only two teams that you can legitimately say have gotten better since 2019 are France and Ireland. So where is this whole, oh, the rest of the world's caught up idea come from? Like uh, the Argentina that beat us in Hamilton and everyone was saying, they're a good side. Look, they're a good team. Are are they? If they're losing to the team Wales that we just beat by 50 points or whatever? You know what I mean? Mm. Like I just don't buy that excuse really that all the other teams have just lifted all these percentage points. Like, if Kazakhstan beat us, are we going to say, wow, you know, we're, the world's catching up? The world, you know what I mean? Oh, look, we, we, we lost a few small moments, but, you know, we've got things to work on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Work-ons. 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 Go- and goings-ons. Goings-ons. <laughs> I'm just a... Just a uh, not sure where we take the breaks here. I'm a little bit confused because we've still got two to go, before the before the race. But we're going to take the 4 Two race, yes, the four oh two race, which remind me, Steph, is the race six. Yes, race six, the Lindau Steward Stakes, a Group Three. We'll take that at four oh two. Uh, we'll take a break on the other side. I'll, I'll bring you up to date with the, what's happened. We've had quite a few texts saying, "Can you give us the results from Rickerton Park?" We were there on Saturday, and we'd like to know how we would have got on. Tell you what, I wish. I'd put them all back on the ones that I had on Saturday because they've been coming in. So stick around. Uh, we'll come back in a moment. 
Just want to take an acknowledgement, a moment to acknowledge um, the passing of one of our listeners' fathers. Ken has texted, Ken, it's with a heavy heart I read it, that your dad passed away yesterday, age 87. Sad day for your family. He was a great man and he was a policeman in the Springbok Tour, therefore Ken didn't get to see much rugby. Ken, um, as you know, we're a tight-knit family here of listeners. You're a very valuable contributor to all shows across the station. I particularly like your insights into rugby, and it sounds like your father was a rugby man as well. So I'm sure on behalf of the listeners, I extend our sympathies to you, Ken. Um, 87-year-old dad who has now passed, so our thoughts are are definitely with you, uh, good man. Um, some other ones that have come in. Oh, Phil's got a couple of sleepers in the New Zealand Cup for us to ponder on. Okay, in my shadow and quota, he's telling us people. I'm going to share it with you. He didn't say not to. In my shadow and quota, okay. Uh, in my shadow's paying 10. Uh, Mediana Hudson will be riding that. Last start winner, drawn nine, not bad. And the other one, goodness, I have to go down the field here. Down the quota, Sammy Spratt aboard. The good oil, Sammy Spratt, strung three wins in a row, then an eighth in a blob. Um, it's shortened in the last hour from 41 into 26. Smoke fire, smoke fire, I think. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, can I read that? Um yeah, I can read that. Go on, Steph. My mate once paid 5K for New Zealand's finest high-class hooker for the night whilst under the influence. Sean Fitzpatrick turned up. <laughs> Not bad, mate. Not bad. Um, Taylor Taylor, we've read that one. Could Razor get the Black Ferns coaching job? Jeez, he could. Well, imagine what he could do. Imagine what he could do to this side. Just going to give you a bit of a... Without, I've been asked for the results from the card from Rickerton today, so I'll just whistle through them. Race one uh, was won by Avaquinella, Rock Sensation third, and Harborside was, thought, uh, was third. Uh, race two was the Wuhan Jockey Club Trophy Premier, was won by the Radiant one. Second Helsinki third was He's Ready. Uh, race three was the Live Without Compromise Premier, won by Little Hooves Got Moves. 570 for that one. Amber Echo was second and Benno was third. Uh, race four was Legato. What a performance from Legato. Refused to go into the starting stalls for about six and a half minutes. They finally got it in and it won like a good thing. Won by about six or seven lengths, $1.30. Best seller second, Blue Solitaire third. And race five, another one that I backed on Saturday and was refunded, Illicit Miss. The Mark Walker horse, the Tangerine Army, Craig Grills riding Illicit Miss won that one at 9.30 and 3.20. Herself uh, was second at 2.30 and second thought, Michael McNabb, $1.70. The race coming up in 10 minutes' time, which we will bring you live and exclusive, is the Lindau Steward Stakes. It is a Group 3. I will run through the market for you very shortly, and we are going to build up to the race for you. The birds have just arrived into the parade ring. Um, just having a look up there at number two. Looks magnificent. Who's that? Challa. Challa with Sammy Spratt in the saddle. But yeah, they're in, uh, in fact, they're in the parade ring behind the stands yet. 
at the moment. So jockeys yet to come out and be united with their horses. So we'll take a break. We'll come back and have a look back in the day. Then I'll go through the field with you and we will play out race six, which is the Lindau Steward Stakes. It's a group three race. It's a biggie. It's an open handicap sprint over 1,200 metres down the shoot at Rickerton. $120,000 up for grabs. The early favourite at the moment is Buoyant, another Michael McNabb jockey, and Tina Komanyahi. Oh, love the way this this woman rides. She's on Corpo. That is the second favourite. But I'll go through the rest of the market. We'll have a look back in the day and then we'll bring you the race and then it'll be the run home. We'll take over after that race. Stick around and we'll come back. I'll bring you the, ma- I'll bring you the market for the next race coming up from Rickerton. They're still milling around. Still probably five minutes away. But we'll take this opportunity to have a look at what's happened back in the day. On November 14, in 1934, Arsenal supplied a record seven players in the England starting lineup in a 3 2 win against Italy at Highbury. The seven gunners, uh, great names here Cliff Baston, Ted Drake, Frank Moss, George Mayo, Eddie Hapgood, Wilf Copping, you wouldn't find that name in this day and age, and Ray Bowden. 1998, NBA, NBA rebound champion Dennis Rodman. Married Carmen Electra in Las Vegas. Pretty sure both of them wore wedding dresses. Uh, Rodman filed papers to annul the marriage nine days later. In 2012, Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored four times against England in Stockholm and the striker pulled down an outrageous long-range bicycle kick from 40 yards out. Birthdays today, Bart Cummings, the legendary horse trainer. Born in 1927, sadly passed 2015. 51 years old today is the man that changed opening batting and keeping Adam Gilchrist and an SEN host in Australian brekkie as well. Carl Heyman, all black prop, 43 today. And Jason Winyard, legend, is 49 today. On this day in 2011, the number one movie was Twilight and the number one song, I Don't Mind. Kay tells me they're playing this at Eden Park after the final whistle. Imagine it, up and about, hissing. How good. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.